1: All right, we're live here on the Voice of the Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crates alongside. As always, King of Banter, very good family man, and a man who finally has baseball back in his life, Mr. Joe Lanza Joe. It's back. You watching the yeah. you watching the baseball? Watching the hardball, as the kids say?
0: Of course I have it on.
1: Well, so say- what, you got Nats Nats Yankees, right? I I've been out doing stuff, so I haven't I haven't watched it yet. It's Nats Yankees, right? Is our, our opener.
0: Yeah, it's the gimmick where they give you the two national games tonight and then everybody else plays tomorrow. I hate that shit. But um assuming that next year is is a non uh everybody's dying of a disease year, I don't know if you saw this, but opening day is back to just everybody plays on opening day.
1: I saw that which is awesome because I'm right with you it's like a weird thing that like not that many people care about, but like your hardcore baseball fans all fucking despise like the well the thing I hate the most actually I think more so than like the you know, Sunday night opening night opening day thing as opposed to just everybody starting on Monday is the week prior mariners versus athletics in japan game that kind of counts yet there's still people playing spring training games so like the standings pages are all messed up like you go to the standings of like you know uh, you know espn.com or whatever and they have like the regular season and it's like oakland three (laughs) seattle three oh and three or whatever and then like below that they still have to keep the spring training standings too because like there are still teams like cutting guys and in spring training even though the oakland athletics and, and mariners already have three games under their belts I get why that happens, I understand why that happens, but I'm also, my OCD does not like that either.
0: I just made the same rant on the Thursday time. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) That's incredible.
1: (laughs) We're such curmudgeon assholes. Jesus Christ.
0: About how I hate when they start the season in a foreign country. A week before all the other teams start, like my, my team's
1: it. still cutting guys. I'm still wondering who's making the you know the roster or whatever. And it's like you know Thursday night in the Tokyo Dome, and here's the fucking Athletics in the mirror. I'm like, what is happening? And I'm like, wait, this is a regular season game. Like, what are we doing here? It's so weird. It ruins your fantasy. It's the oh, oh dude. Every single week, I always I always forget. So fucking start the, uh, if I have any athletic, cause it's always, it's always like the fucking Mariners and it's usually the athletics too. Cause it's like, who gives a shit about the athletic, we'll throw them in Japan. Cause it's fine. They can get some, uh, some fans for once or whatever. But yeah, I always forget to start those guys. And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. Why does the season start on a Thursday a week before everybody else? Like, what are we doing?
0: Baseball opening day should be all 30 teams start on the same day. Mostly day games. You want to stagger a couple night games in for the TV schedules? That's fine. But everybody should start the same day. And the Cincinnati Reds need to throw the first pitch in the first National League game. That's the way it was for 80 years. Then we had to go fuck with it. And I hate it. So uh, next year, we're back to normal. This year, I can give them a pass. I give them a I pass. I think it's for- a, fair,
1: <laughs> a fair year to give just about everybody a pass on, on stuff. So.
0: Yeah, i give him a pass this year. But next year, I, I was so excited when I saw that. You know, you, you take off from work. You know, you don't go to school. You blow off school. And you wake up that day and, and you watch day baseball. It's usually a weekday. It's like a Monday, right? And it's like you just stay home, eat some fucking wings. You load up on some snacks, right? And you watch Opening day. Yeah.
1: It it used to be really fun. Like, you know, when I was in in, in high school or like middle school or whatever, I didn't want to. So they they incentivized us and they used baseball to incentivize us. In high school, if you got perfect attendance, you got free White Sox tickets. And now, mind you, White Sox tickets were like $6. So I could have just bought those and taken days off, but it was like an achievement. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get perfect attendance. I'm going to get. They were good White Sox tickets. You know, whatever. I'll take them. But um, they incentivized us with that. So we didn't want to take the day off. We always decided, okay, forget it. We're all going to go there. We're going to do it or whatever. Most of my friends, we all did that as well. Like, the plan was to get perfect attendance all year and get those free white Sox tickets again i wish our parents would have just given us ten dollars it would have been a lot easier but anyway that's what we did uh but i do remember opening day a lot like if you had a cool teacher the cool teachers would like throw on a radio or slide in the tv on the wheels you know the old tv on the wheels gimmick
0: oh yeah oh yeah so we'd like you know
1: it's slide. it's it was it was half and half like you'd have your curmudgeon old like english teacher and she's not gonna fuck around with that she thinks it's ridiculous Baseball's stupid you know and I think she's stupid too and I think her class is dumb as well and then you had like your the coaches (laughs) you know the coaches that had to teach random class like you know random you know football coach that teaches science even though he probably knows nothing about science but he's a goddamn good offensive coordinator so he teaches biology like he would put it on the radio or play it or your history teachers or forget it if you had drivers at her gym or whatever I mean gym they may as well just cancel that day because yeah it would be the same thing they'd have a radio on they'd throw a TV in there and stuff so yeah I'm right with you like I was never home on those days I was always at school or whatever but it became a, a tradition of like oh hell yeah opening day <laughs> like we're not gonna do shit at, at school like because all the cool teachers are not gonna let us do anything and then you got really mad at the the bet, ba- and then you know you were in that 40 minutes shitty english class or whatever and you're like god damn what's going on i missed everything you know what, what happened in this hour that i was gone and so it was kind of fun also to uh, to catch up so yeah i always have a soft spot for opening day
0: my parents would let me stay home for opening day and they'd let me stay home for the first two days of march madness so I was very lucky in that regard. I remember too, in 1993. Well, your dad probably
1: needed help with the bats, right?
0: Oh well, you know. It <laughs> was like Joe. What do you think? <laughs> of whoa, 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 Joe, Joe! Hey, where are you going? pal? stay here. I need some help. Of course <laughs> we're calling. Of course we're calling in plays. <laughs> right? I
1: mean, he's got. He's got you on the phone. While he's, yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, I remember. I think it was 1993. I remember I had my mother come get me out of school early. So I can go home and watch the Colorado Rockies, Florida Marlins Expansion Draft oh, on ESPN. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta watch Charlie Huff, you know. Fucking 55 year old Charlie draft? Huff uh, throwing you know some muffle balls. Yeah.
0: Do you know who went number one in that expansion draft? Don't look it up. Do you remember?
1: Um I don't.
0: It was a Rockies pick. David Need.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Didn't work out. No,
1: not great. Yeah, no, a Didn't lot. A lot out. of the expansion draft did not work out well for either of those teams. That was a that was a rough ride yeah. for, for both teams for a while. Well, actually, the Rockies like weirdly got good right away because like off the bat they signed like Andres Galarraga, right?
0: The Rockies, yeah, they went for it early.
1: Like yeah, even they, in their expansion year, they s- signed a huge free agent, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, they went for it early. The the Marlins, like you said, their big splash was Charlie Huff,
1: <laughs> right? Sixty <laughs> like, year old knuckleballer.
0: Yeah, I think he started opening day. He did
1: start opening No, I, I remember vividly he started opening day. And, and there's a... Uh, if you ever watch the pitch, it's like it was clear that the ump was like, look, Charlie... Don't bounce it, and I'll give you three strikes, so it could be a strikeout in, in you know the first pitch and in, in Marlins history or whatever. I mean, this knuckleball is like nine feet out of the strike zone. He's ah, strike three, and even the batter is like, oh come on, are you kidding me? And then realizes that whatever, yeah, sure, okay, give them their fucking strikeout. Everybody cheers, they toss the ball, and they go, oh my god, Charlie Huff, he's old, and he got a strikeout and all that sort of stuff. So um yeah, and then I think it got lit up the rest of the game. So or maybe not, it's- I don't remember, but that team was terrible too. So. It's
0: funny because five years later, uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays loaded up on veterans: Fred McGriff, Wade Boggs, all at the end of the line. But the Diamondbacks ended up being better, faster, and going to a World Series in uh, what two thousand one. So they made they went to the World Series three years later. You know, but it was it was the Devil Rays who took the the, the strategy of let's bring in uh let's build a veteran team and try to draw fans right off the bat and ironically enough they haven't been able to draw fans since so it, it's just weird how that how that worked out too you know it, it, the the strategy when they began the franchise backfired badly uh and and the Diamondbacks uh w- were better much faster but uh but yeah the rockies well when did the mark well, the rockies yeah they had all those teams with Galaraga. and
1: yeah, they, they, I mean they were like good already by like 96 or so they were already in there but then weirdly the Marlins win the first you know, the World Series in 97 just out of like Wayne Heisinga being like fuck it just sign everybody I'm on to sell this team like let's go I'm gonna prove that you can just win a World Series just by trying and you know he brings in Sheffield and and, and Cliff Floyd's there and he signs a bunch of dudes and lose there you know what I mean like he just uh, Kevin Brown's there all that sort of stuff and yeah they end up winning but like the Rockies were already good in by like 95, 96 if I remember correctly it's just they didn't obviously go to the World Series, until many years later.
0: Yeah, Larry Walker, all those guys. But uh, wait, I want to go back to these six dollar White Sox tickets. Were you watching Nellie Fox? What do you mean six dollars? Well,
1: Joe, it, it. I don't know about. I don't know if you watch many White Sox games, but uh, they aren't aren't very well attended. Uh, so at many times during my childhood, it was very cheap and very affordable to get White Sox tickets. So. Um, they probably, I mean, they legit had, like, I think on Mondays, it was, like, half-price Mondays, or whatever, like, no matter what, and which was uh, fantastic, great games to go to, they were always packed, it was it was pretty fantastic. Uh, then, like, yeah, Tuesdays, like, the bleachers were, like, five bucks or whatever, um, yeah, they, they had very, I mean, these days, it's, you know, even even through the rough ride that they've had over the last ten years, it's it's been a little bit more expensive to go, but now you just go to StubHub or whatever. Uh, but in those days, like their face value for some tickets were were, were pretty low. I, I could, uh, yeah, they they were not uh, until the World Series came. It was very affordable to uh, take a family to the uh, the, <laughs> you know, the south side to watch a, a White Sox game. So. Partially why I enjoyed going to them, I like, you know, I went, grew up my entire life, and never went to a Cubs game because they were too expensive, and I fucking went to hundreds of White Sox games because even my friends would be like, "Yeah, hey, you want to go White Sox? Like, yeah, sure." Like you could just go, you know what I mean? Like, and there was always available tickets, it never an issue to buy tickets. So yeah, no, I did not see Nelly Fox play. Didn't see Louis Aparicio and Nelly Fox, <laughs> Rich <laughs> little sitting front, Minosa <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> sitting in the front row for shoeless Joe Jackson with his four dollar tickets. Um, who who was on the White Sox when you were in high school? Like Ron Kittle.
1: Like, no, no, about? no, how old do you think I am? Ron Kittle? What? He was like, he retired in, like, 1988. What are you talking about? No, it was like, I, I was in the, like, the Maglo Ardonius, Carlos Lee, Frank Thomas, <laughs> Ray Durham. All right, I was thinking, you know, Lamar Hoyt. No, I was at Lamar Hoyt and Greg <laughs> Luzinski, like, get out of here. John Cangelosi?
0: You know, <laughs> right, <all> the... right. <laughs> Ron LaFleur? You know, all the...
1: Dick Allen, yeah, I'm like,
0: eh, put him in the of Fame. Dick Allen should be in the Hall he of Fame. He should be
1: in the Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah. I had some guy, like, random dude. I went to the uh, the, the White Sox uh, 2005. This is a ridiculous show that we're doing right now, but I enjoy it. Uh I was at the uh, 2005, you know, White Sox parade, and there was a guy there who, who we had, he had, like a you know, like a sandwich board or whatever and a megaphone. He, his entire, he just wanted people to be educated on Dick Allen. He said, Dick Allen needs to go to the, the entire parade. I remember we were sitting right behind this guy, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a long parade, just screaming, Dick Allen to the Hall of Fame, Dick Allen to the Hall of Fame. And I thought, man, like, this guy's really annoying. I went and talked to him, and it was a fantastic conversation. He was like, what? he was citing, was it, like, Bill James it? stuff. He's like, well, if you look at the advanced stats, and I'm like, I changed my life talking to that guy. I'm so glad I did.
0: Was he Dick Allen?
1: It wasn't Dick Allen. No, they, he, he oh. was, um, I don't even think he was related to Dick Allen. I just, given, you know, certain. Parts of his his physical appearance led me to believe that he was not either rich a Dick Allen or See? a relative of Dick Allen. But uh, rich, is, it,
0: rich, it's okay. You can say he was, he a, was a very
1: man. white guy. Yeah, he was a very very yeah. white man. But uh, no, it was it was a great conversation. And ever since that point, I was like, yeah, fuck, Dick Allen does belong in the Hall of Fame. So
0: Dick Allen has monster numbers. The problem it was for a short it's period a of time,
1: raging shitbag to everybody. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. It was for a short period of time. So he doesn't have the counting stats, and he was a wasn't a very nice man. To the reporters, so and that's who's voting you in. But uh, I agree. I mean, you look at his not, I, I would vote Dick Allen for the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm more of a peak guy. I respect the longevity too, but I, I have a lot of respect for the peak. So his numbers are too good to deny. It's a great wrestling show we're doing. This <laughs> I
1: was about to say. Like imagine like someone from the UK. Listening to us talk about Dick Allen, who they've never heard of, even people that watch baseball are probably like, "Who the fuck is Dick Allen?" <laughs> like that's a that's real in the weeds. The, the Dick Allen that's... for the Hall of Fame conversation, but I enjoy it. The ones, the real ones, know it and, and they're bobbing their head right now, being like, "Yeah, yeah," or they're on Baseball Reference right now and they're going, "Oh man, yeah, yeah, these guys are right." So
0: he that was the White Sox era with the red pinstripe, yes. uniforms. Mm-hmm, indeed. Yeah, early 70s, well, like 72, that's about time he played. Yeah, like late 60s, yeah, the
1: the red pinstripes of their late 60s to kind of late 70s or whatever, and yeah, he was like 72 to 76, 77, 78, somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah, yeah, played for the Phillies, a couple other teams too. Tremendous hitter, you know. Famous for the
1: uh, Sports Illustrated cover where he's got a a Sig (laughs) on the bench, which is incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Gary Sheffield, you know, where they were just tremendous hitters. You know, but a little surly off the field. One of my favorite players of all
1: time, Gary Sheffield, by the way. Love. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, beautiful swing. Well, the problem uh, was
1: I tried to recreate that swing my entire life, and (laughs) many coaches were like, "Uh, Rich, you want to, uh, I don't know. Calm down, the movements there, and I'm like, nah, Sheffield does it. They're like, okay, like, unfortunately, kids in my generation, we grew up with Ken Griffey Jr. and like Gary Sheffield as like two like you know monster hitters. Both guys that are like completely batting stances you should never recreate ever, except if you have like in- if you're an all time great athlete with incredible bat speed, you can do what those guys did. But you don't think that every kid showed up trying to do the Griffey swing and had to, be- had to get it coached out of them. Well, unfortunately, Gary Sheffield never got coached out of me, so I stopped playing baseball. But
0: Griffey had a beautiful. Swing. And it was the complete opposite of Sheffield's. It was this, you know, left handed, beautiful uh, textbook stroke. Right. And Sheffield was a right handed hitter with a violent swing. You know, and he was even anxious in the box. He would be, he, I could picture it now. He'd be swinging that bat back and forth in his, you know, with the wrists. Mm-hmm. And, and he'd take that big step and he that big hitch in his, everything they don't teach you to do, <laughs> right. you know? and But the swing, but once he got into the swing, it was so violent and he swung so hard. And they didn't have exit velocity when he was around, but I guarantee you he would have, you know, uh, led the league in exit velocity during his prime years because he hit the ball so fucking hard. I mean, he was just, a tremendous guy to watch hit. So you're right. Those are two great swings, but two very different swings too. You know, Griffey's swing was just beautiful. You know, you could, you you, you know, impossible to recreate. Yeah. And that was the issue
1: is every kid is, you know, putting that bat right up onto their, you know, neck and like swaying back and forth and trying to get around the ball. And it's like, well, are you six, four and one of the greatest athletes of all time? No, then eh, I don't know. That might be tough to you know, get any hits off this, but uh, it didn't stop kids from trying Myself included was one of them as well that, uh, I also tried the, uh, the Frank Thomas had a tough swing, uh, to recreate as well. It was all, you know, you had to have like tree trunk legs to pull it off. A lot of front leg, a lot of that sort of stuff. So I tried that too. And it, it also did not work. So it's possible that I was just a bad hitter as well, which, you know, maybe the stance wasn't the issue more. So my, you know, hand, eye coordination or my swing, but, uh, yeah, regardless, I, I, tried all those and they didn't really work. They work better for softball, slow pitch softball. You can have a, a nice hitchy swing and it, it's fine. So a lot of pop-ups
0: though. You're gonna hit a lot of pop ups if with that big hitch. Look, I'm trying to be a batting coach here. I like here. it. Yeah,
1: it's good. No, I was always a ground ball guy though. I would always, I would always turn it on sab- over. Yeah, never, never, never you're, pop ups. Because up,
0: you're, so. you're a sabermetric guy. You're probably playing. You're you're the guy who plays. Uh <laughs> inter- You're the guy who plays intergender softball. You know where everyone else is having a good time, and you're out there trying to draw walks.
1: <laughs> I'll, See? Plead, I'll plead the fifth. One.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're out there trying to draw walks. You're being selective at the plate. You know, you're up there like Joey Votto. I have, I have
1: table. led multiple slow pitch softball leagues in on base percentage. I will say that for sure. So yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's a good value. Like I love, it. I got had guys, I was on like a co-ed team once and the guys, it depended where I was in the lineup. Like if I was lower in the lineup or whatever, but my thought is like, and I was like to be lower in the lineup, draw that walk, the power of the lineup comes up. Boom. I squat I led the league in runs too. I'll say that. So, you know. And our, and team won, our team's won. It frustrated everybody because they're like, God damn, it, Rich, just swing the fucking bat. It's a little bit softball. Yeah. We're all drunk. We're drinking. We're all having a good time. And I'm here, like, ah, nope, 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 that, that. You know, arguing with the uh, the ump about, you know, ah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> it's on the corner there, but, you know.
0: Yeah, you're the guy where I'm on your team and I'm yelling at you. <laughs> yes. To swing.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no. It happened yeah. plenty of times where are like, Rich, come on. <laughs> just swing the damn bat. When I did, sure. it was good. You know, I, I, I it's similar to Vado. Like, I, I was very selective. But when, when it was a good pitch, I would I'd light it up. But. Uh, never swung at her first pitch in slow pitch softball though. Always let that first one go. Every single. time. Oh my God. <laughs> you're going to get a better one in the at-bat. I promise. So
0: you don't know that
1: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that's fine. But...
0: You're just trying to work the walk. I played in the league. I played in one of the, those intergender leagues where if you were I mean, co
1: ed, but I like how you're re- putting it into wrestling terms in intergender. I like it. We need to this, at least keep this, some wrestling going here. So go ahead.
0: This is a wrestling show, sir. Um, where if you were a dude, if you drew a walk, it was a double.
1: Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Listen to Rich light up. Oh, wow. Where, where is this? Is this Jersey?
0: Because the idea – no, this was in Texas. Because hmm. the idea was they didn't want people pitching around the guys to get to the girls.
1: Yeah. Oh, you don't think in co-ed? I knew that? Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, I love so, taking walks in co-ed leagues. <laughs> so, my one, co-ed, one of my co-ed leagues had that now that I remember that. But the other one did not, so – and
0: guys started with a 2-1 count too So they'd start you with a 2-1 count If you were a guy And if you drew a walk It was a double And the other thing was if you drew a walk The girl batting behind you Had the option to take an automatic yes, walk Yes,
1: yeah, I, do. I did have one league that did that Now that I remember
0: So if a guy walked It was like automatically first and second If you wanted it to be But again We weren't all a bunch of rich creatures <laughs> So the girls didn't want the girls didn't want to take the walk. They wanted right. to swing. You want a better? You, know?
1: you want a really good story about that?
0: I would love to hear one of these creatures.
1: Sh- okay, so my one buddy is starting a co-ed league or whatever. We're, we're struggling to find girls, and and he says, "Hey, do you think like Michelle would want to do it?" This is like pretty early in our relationship, and you know, Michelle's very good at climbing and being a nurse, but <laughs> softball and most other you know athletics not, not so much. Uh, not not a huge fan. Um, so he's like, well, what about Michelle? And I'm like, "Ah, I don't don't think so. And he's like, well, just ask her. And I'm like, I'm not. And I told him I asked her and I didn't. And then he kind of circumvents me and sends a message and goes, hey, did uh, Rich ask about the coed league? And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we're trying to start a league. Like, he said he asked you or whatever. So I get like – You
0: know what? You're a disgrace. I know we're <laughs> Why can't – you can't put your own wife in the league and throw her out in right field where no one's going to hit the hit – the, I okay. mean,
1: come on. Well, here's what we did. So he, she does She does eventually join the league. She says, I want to. We go, She's never played softball before, never played any form of, of baseball or anything before. So we go out. We have an intense, like, one-month training session where we're out there um, throwing uh, – giving her grounders, swing lessons, all that sort of stuff – it's not going well. It is very bad. I'm very worried about how the season's going to go. Um, so we, we, we get there. I find out that the rule is that the, the, the man can go to second and the woman behind can, can elect whether to take the first base or not. And I'm yeah. thinking in my head, okay, here we go. Because there's no chance in hell she's ever hitting this ball, ever. And she never did, for the record. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay. I'm like, Dan, this is my buddy. I said, okay, I got a plan. Bat me and bat Michelle behind her, or behind me. I said, if I get a hit, I get a hit. Okay, whatever. But I'm trying to get walks out of here, baby, because then what we're going to do is then Michelle will get on first because she's an automatic out no matter what.
0: You can't let her take her hacks.
1: She took some hacks. She never got a hit, though. You can't let her take her hacks. She started to get into this. I got her. I, I I turned her later because she realized that she hated swinging the bat. She was scared of the ball. So then later in the year, so eventually it was the thing where, yeah, I would go to first. She would go to, <laughs> or go to second. She would go to first. Um, yeah. She wasn't a big fan of running the bases either. There was one point where the third uh, base coach told her to go home, and she said no, and she just stopped. Um, so <laughs> I was like, oh boy, this is gonna go. Well. I love it. She, they're like, all right, home, 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 and she's like, no, and she just stopped. And we're like, oh all right. you know, I'm at second or whatever. I have to pull on the brakes. so will fall back to second base or whatever. So uh, she wasn't she wasn't made for uh, for for slow pitch softball. But eventually, uh, we decided we had to switch the lineup. She couldn't be you know behind me or, or for whatever reason. So. um she tried to swing a bunch of games, didn't really work out. And she just said, Hey, if I walk, I just go, like, if I don't swing and, and they throw me, you know, X amount of balls or whatever, I just go to first base, right? And I said, Yeah. And she goes, Oh, cool. <laughs> so she never swung the bat ever again. And she, she her, her on base was fantastic. So you both
0: of you were a disaster. <laughs> That's <it>. the bat. <laughs> strike out you strike
1: out I mean <laughs> she started geez. to realize well she got bored and she she felt bad that she was striking out and she just said well if I don't swing and they don't you know the ball doesn't go near the plate do I get to go to first and I said yeah and she goes oh, all right
0: you you'd bunt if you could you oh, you'd oh be absolutely
1: try, absolutely drop
0: one down the absolutely. line tell,
1: you, tell the guy in third to, you know well suicide squeeze a, absolutely
0: third baseman not paying attention
1: I'm trying to win uh, I'm trying to win Joe I don't know about you
0: I was in a work league and I, I took a relay throw at from shortstop and I forgot that there was like, you know, just, you know, like a teenage girl playing catcher, you know, because you put him at catcher because you put the worst fielder at catcher, right? Cause there's, you know, really, a, and, and I'm just in my, my, my adrenaline's running and I'm in the middle of the play and I take the relay throw and I turn around Rich and I fire it home <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking fire and And halfway through the throw, it occurred to me what Uh I was doing was a (laughs) mistake. uh And it it all went in slow motion. I could see her like put her arms up to protect her face, and I broke her wrist with the throw. Oh, my
1: God.
0: Yeah. She she wasn't prepared for – it's my fault. I mean, I should have remembered who was back there. You know what I mean? But you're not thinking about it in the moment. In the moment, you're just – you know, I'm taking the relay throw, and there's a runner going home. Yeah, no, so, for sure. You know. I, I
1: had a in, in one of my leagues. I had a, a shortstop guy who he played like you know division. I think he played D one baseball or whatever. He was, it was incredible. Like, This dude never made a bad play. Every time we had him on his team, on our team, we won the championship. Hit every single time. A fucking triple or home run, no matter what. Uh, never made a bad throw. Never made a bad play. Just like the perfect center field, uh, perfect shortstop you've ever seen uh, in your life. But the problem with him though is he didn't know how to like not whip it and throw it yeah. like. And I used I've played first base a lot, and dude, his guy would just fucking the, the, the batter's not even out of the box. Like the batter it's it's some you know, it's somebody who doesn't even care. It's like, you know, somebody's Wife that just showed up because they needed an extra player, and she just wants to yeah, drink. Yeah. So she like you know taps at four inches, and he runs up there like it's you know the game seven of the World Series. Yeah. Just fires it in. I'm like, all right, dude, you know, like, reel it in, buddy. Let's let's go. Well, what I had to do though is because he kept he kept like throwing it. We had the same deal as you. Like our catcher was like just this girl who just showed up. He's like the friend's wife or whatever. That yeah, she's a nice woman, of course. She didn't really want to play softball though. She just you know was there to support and, and have some fun and drink some beers or whatever. Uh, but he would just like fire like, exactly like you and come in the relay and you just fucking fire it and like it. Bang off the back cage, or it like you know she'd scream, and it would just go right past her. So eventually, me at first base, I had to cover home every single time that there was a relay throw, which got exhausting as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so I just never could avoid this guy whipping balls as fast as humanly possible at me. But um, he was event- a handbreaker. Yeah. A hand breaker, oh yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. But we assumed that like we didn't want this you know this guy's wife you know he he kind of went up to me he's like hey i really don't want like you know nicole or whatever to like you know die so do you mind covering home? and i'm like yeah that's open, no problem so because he, yeah. he he's he tried to tell this guy like hey can you not like you know throw it you know 78 miles per hour at my at my wife or whatever and he was like yeah sure and then you know lo and behold the next exactly like you next pitch he's just <laughs> firing it over to her she screams yeah. and it's like oh, okay this is gonna end poorly so i'll just i'll just cover it for you so
0: i did i mean I, you know i just wasn't doing a purpose i just i just wasn't you're not thinking the well both. that's
1: i think he's like he's like this kid clearly played, like, baseball his entire life or whatever. He he doesn't know how to, like, you know, not try. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just, to him, no, it's instinct, realize, yeah. especially as, like, a he's a lifelong se- uh, shortstop or whatever. So the second he gets that throw from relay, turns around, he just fires it. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't he's out think that it's, you know, Nicole, this there. dude's wife or whatever. So, yeah, he's just, you know.
0: He's out there wearing eye black.
1: Oh, yeah, no, you of know, course he was an eye black guy. Yeah, eye black. He had, uh, like, baseball pants on. Dude slid when he didn't even have to slide like for no fucking reason. He's sliding all the time. I loved it. So great Wristical
0: player though. All nine, yeah, ridiculous. Great
1: at going uh, opposite field, like you know, the second he recognized there was nobody good in right field. He'd go opposite field, hit home. I mean, just fucking incredible player.
0: There's always a couple guys who are like too good for the league.
1: Yeah, th- like, this became a point with this guy. Yeah, where we're like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> like, should we yeah. really have him on our why, team? Why, like,
0: <laughs> like, why aren't you playing like like fast pitch somewhere? Like, why are you why are you mucking it up with, you know guys out here just trying to have a good time with their wife you know what i mean that's the guy and like he never bring like he doesn't contribute a woman to the team either that guy that guy always comes alone oh he was like, straight
1: ringer yeah just stri- i don't yeah. even know who knew him <laughs> it was some right. way that he got on our team i don't even know his connection but goddamn, i was glad he was on our team because we uh you're we... right
0: that guy you're right that's the other thing about that guy
1: no one knows who he's from i have him. no idea the connection to this guy. He,
0: just, he just shows up and he's on your team and it's like you're not even sure who he knows it's a good point it, 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 that's always the case. He he carries his bats in a bag, you know. He, oh, yeah. He's got the yeah, he, yeah. he's got the bag. He wears the eye black. He he doesn't really talk to anyone unless it's about the game. You know, it is uh, the only communication he has is uh, who's covering second if there's a uh, if there's a ball hit to right field. That's basically the only thing he's going to say to you. He doesn't hang out with anybody after the game. He's all business. Never consumes any alcohol. That that guy. That's the guy. You know, and there's always two or three of those in the league. And they should go off and and find the appropriate league. Yeah, he was why so they... good.
1: He was ungodly good. I don't think he ever made it out, ever. So.
0: It'd be like if one of us went and just played in, like, Little League with 12-year-olds. Like, what? how is it even fun? Like, why do you even want to do that? I don't know.
1: Well, you want to talk pro wrestling at some point?
0: I mean, I'm good with this. Oh, I'm pretty good,
1: know. too. I'm good. Slow-pitch softball stories with Joe and Rich. <laughs> Yeah, Joe and Rich live out their vicarious baseball dreams by playing so softball. I,
0: I played on a team so bad that I was forced to play third base because no one else on the team could make the throw to first.
1: That's not great. Like, yeah. they, like
0: they couldn't reach. So I played on some horrendous teams, but I'll tell you what; those, those are the most teams fun
1: though. I love they those. Are, teams. They
0: really are. It's not. It's not even a cliche. Those are though. Is like pressure free. You know, when things do go well, and if you do happen to win a game, it's like. You won Game Seven of the World oh, Series. Oh, you go
1: out. Everyone's out after it's, the game. The beers are flowing. Everyone's just re- reminiscing about the game. You're, you know, you're one in nine in the league. Your run differential's two hundred, but you win that one, yeah. and yeah, everyone's going out. Everyone's partying. It's great.
0: The nurse finally gets a hit, and she's a gigantic hero. You know,
1: that team was good. We had the well. gr- we had an incredible dudes on that team, which we had to stack because, uh, yeah, it didn't go well. But no, that's um. Like I, I like I played on a team a few years ago as well. I, I listeners might remember this because I always used to have like move days around when we were doing a flagship. We started doing flagships on Tuesdays and shit. And yeah. the reason I quit is just cause like yeah, every game was like too serious. It was like, Oh my god, life and death. And I'm like, ah come on guys, I just wanna fucking and then like I joined one league that my buddy was on. he was like, Yeah, these guys, they need some extra guys, you wanna come play? And I was like, Yeah, sure. It was great. They were horrible. And I play they would say, Hey, what position do you want to play? I'd be like, you know what, I haven't played left field in years. Let me go play left field. They're like, sure, knock so i somehow, kid. Like my buddy who has no knees can't can't walk, he, he, he limps, he's, he's, he had multiple knee surgeries, they had him at shortstop because he was like the only guy that could, and it was fantastic, it was great, you got some at-bats, you had some fun, you know, it was, I, I, I love bad, bad slow-pitch softball teams are the best, I never get upset about a loss, who cares, whatever, you know, when it's a good team it's good, but yeah, you like to kind of chill and take it easy sometimes too, so.
0: There's, uh, there's bad slow-pitch softball teams, and then there's bad wrestling pay-per-views. We saw this Sunday. There you go. Look at that. With the horror show at WWE Extreme Rules, which we did review match by match, thorough, went 90 minutes on it. Uh, $10 tier, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. That was a live instant reaction, so that is on the live $10 tier, if you want to hear us. Break down that show from start to finish and in extreme detail. little clarification, people always ask, if something is broadcast live, it's going to be on the $10 tier, even on demand. Okay, so uh, that's only fair to the $10 subscribers. Now, if we happen to do an instant reaction that isn't live, that will be on the $5 tier. Um, and, you know, there there will be the occasional instant reaction that isn't done live. You know, sometimes uh, Rich likes to do them in his car on his way to work in the morning. Or, uh, you know, usually if it's solo, it won't be live. But uh, if it's live, it'll be on that $10 tier, whether it's uh, whether you listen live or, or, or listen to the, uh, I guess, uh, what do you want to call it? The, uh, like the, the audio feed or whatever, or the
1: RSS, yeah. the audio feed, whatever, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, so we're not going to do a full review of the show match by match, Thank but there God. is the... Uh...
1: <laughs> Can you imagine running that back?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> I know, I,
1: like, so I, I, I never knew that The uh, the Observer does this, where, where uh, Brian Alvarez will go live immediately after the, the, the show, or now, maybe it's not live immediately after, it's like a little bit after him and Vinny will do a review of the pay-per-view, and I never knew that. I never knew they did that, because then he runs it back, and at, like, 3 a.m., he's got to talk about the show again with Dave, and I'm like, oh, my
0: God. Couldn't imagine. Like, I
1: I, heard, I could hear it in his voice. He's like, Dave, the horror show at WWE Extreme Rules, and he's just like, you know, and then just waited for Dave to talk, and I'm just like, dear God, can you imagine talking about that show for an hour, waiting three more hours, and then talking about it again? It was just like, the idea of talking about this now is horrifying me, and I don't want to do it, so...
0: Well, I mean, the fallout here and and the question for me coming out of this abomination, it was really just the finishes and the booking more than anything else. I I think everyone pretty much agrees that the wrestling was very good and uh, the matches were well worked, but the booking and the finishes and uh, everything else having to do with the show was an absolute fucking clusterfuck uh, mess, which – in, in a rare case, I think even the company itself conceded that because they rewrote the entire Raw the next day, uh, which also didn't work out very well for them. So I feel like they know and there was, you know, reports that some of the wrestlers weren't happy uh, with the show either. Why would they be? Uh, you go out there and kill yourself only to get booked into these horrendous finishes that nobody likes. Um, so I think it's fair to ask the question, Rich, is this one of the worst WWE pay-per-views of all time? With all things considered, the finishes, the near universal negative reviews, I don't think I saw one positive review on a major site, and then the fact that the Raw the next night did some of the most disastrous numbers that Raw has ever done in the history of the show, including one quarter hour, the third, qu- the, uh, the third hour, rather, which did a uh, .42 in the demo, which is the lowest in the modern history of Monday Night Raw. Uh, when you consider all of that, The lack of interest uh, leading into the next night, because even bad pay-per-views, there's interest in in the Raw the next night, typically. This, there was a total lack of interest in Raw. The show itself was a disaster. We saw some of the worst finishes in history. Toss in that it was in the sterile COVID environment and all that that brings to the table. Is this one of the worst WWE pay per views ever?
1: I think it's actually it, it, it has to be in the conversation when when you take it in in, in the way that you mentioned. If you add the RAW to it and you add the the follow up because usually pay per views get some sort of follow up where people are somewhat interested. Well, this was clear that people either watched the horse show at Extreme Rules and decided I'm definitely not interested in watching RAW, or they didn't watch the horse show and then they didn't watch RAW. Like whatever it was, whatever factor it is, you do have to play up. You know what happened with RAW the next day has to put it in the conversation, and and I, and I do think it is. In that conversation. I do think there are some other ones, you know, are we sticking strictly WWE? Because there's a few that I thought out the top of my head.
0: WWE. Okay, WWE.
1: if we're talking WWE, like the one that, that comes to mind, I think for everybody, and actually kind of feels a lot like this show too, with the, the last minute rewrites, the complete chaos going on backstage, the, you know, just the no interest in what's going on, the sterile environment, all that sort of stuff. December to Dismember is one that always comes up because like literally... Paul Heyman's like, "Fuck this, I quit." Vince is right, rewriting the show as it's going on. The ECW brand basically dies on that day. Like the everything that happened with that show, it's in a weird environment. It's in like some weird ass arena in Alabama or some shit. I forget where it was exactly. It's Alabama or Arkansas or whatever. It makes no sense where it is, and it's just it's just silly beyond belief. And it's a bad show to boot. The wrestling's no good, and and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. It's it's. That's one that that's the first one that comes to my mind, and I'm sure there are you know some others, and, and you know I do have a list of of, of some others as well. But like, wh- December, what do you think?
0: Just Quickly, December to Dismember, Rich was in Georgia, I
1: believe. Georgia, that's right. It was um, at like the
0: it was in the South.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. In the, again. It wasn't like an ECW. It wasn't like the you know the Hammerstein Ballroom or whatever. It was certainly an environment uh, that wasn't very conducive to uh, you know right. uh, uh, um, uh, uh, ECW pay per view. But I think that's the one that initially comes to everybody's mind, or at least comes to my mind as just, like, completely disaster pay-per-views. And not just because of what was on the show, even though it had its issues and stuff, but more that, like, the fallout resulted in, like, you know, so much happening as well, where people are leaving the company and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Paul Heyman's done, and all these guys are done. So so that's one that absolutely comes up there. I think King of the Ring 95 uh, is another one. Uh, you know, obviously Mabel winning the King of the Ring, not a great idea. Uh, Shawn Michaels, like, eliminated pretty early in the King of the Ring tournament. You know, every other match on the show basically stunk. The crowd's just chanting ECW the entire time. It's just complete. It, to me, that's why. Like the December Dismember is whatever. That that was a complete disaster for a multitude of reasons. The King of the Ring to me feels a lot like this horse show because it was like you have no idea what your fans want. Like that arena is chanting ECW and booing everything you do, and you're just completely on whatever other wavelength you're on. So that's one that that again that's one that kind of comes up to me initially is that King of the Ring '95 and December to Dismember are the two that I think to the top of my mind, and, and King of the Rain 95 might even work better as a cop for the horse show, but I do think this, the December Dismember, because of all the chaos going on backstage as well, uh, does I think play it up a little bit or help it out uh, slightly.
0: Yeah, the December to Dismember, again, yeah, like you said, it was, in, it was not in a good ECW city, number one, and this was still when the ECW brand had connections to the original ECW. This wasn't you know, the ECW brand years removed from that where it didn't really matter anymore. This was still had the old kind of feel to it to some extent. So that didn't help. I think it drew under 5,000 fans. so There was almost nobody in the building. There was only two or three matches announced, you know, w- with like a week to go before the show. So it was poorly built. Then the show ended like 90 minutes early. Right, right, right. 90 minutes or 2 hours long or yeah, something Sabu was they- taken
1: out before the main event So he doesn't even wrestle <laughs> like-
0: that, And that was a key thing because he was taken out of the Elimination chamber in an angle And the crowd, that's when the crowd Turned on the show uh, they, boo- they, they booed that And they they turned on the show at that point Because they wanted Sabu in the match The people that did buy a ticket Were there to see ECW They weren't there to see Hardcore Holly Or Test or whoever it was that replaced them. So that was a bad idea. And then, of course, you had Paul Heyman and and Vince McMahon having their very famous dispute in the back over how to book the match. And, um, you know, Bobby Lashley is who Paul Heyman, who is who Vince McMahon wanted to win the match. Paul Heyman wanted, since he lost that fight and it was, you know, he at least wanted to get CM Punk over by having him eliminate the Big Show right out of the gate. He wanted CM Punk and the Big Show to be the first two guys in the ring. Big Show was the champion coming in. And that's the typical Heyman move, right? You beat the champ first in a multi-man match, which then guarantees you're going to get a new champion. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. Thousands of times he's, he's ran that same he's, thing.
0: He always uses that. And it's a great idea because then it puts you at the edge of your seat. Because then you're like, oh, we're getting a new champ tonight because the champ was the first guy eliminated, right? So he wanted to eliminate Big Show and he wanted CM Punk to do it before anybody else even entered the match. He basically wanted CM Punk to squash Big Show and, and submit him So he was doing an MMA gimmick at the time. And that way, even though Punk wasn't winning the match, because that would have been Heyman's choice to win the match, Punk gets over in the match anyway because he eliminates the big show in impressive fashion. And then you, you know, whatever you do from there. And he was also against removing Sabu from the match because he knew, you know, Sabu could do some crazy things inside the chamber and people came to see Sabu. So there was tons of fighting between Heyman and uh, Vince McMahon. And that led to the famous line after the show where Heyman knew the show was a disaster you know you know based on what he had just seen and and uh he was all depressed about it and vince asked him what was wrong and paul and Heyman was like well did you just see the show we put on it fucking (laughs) sucked right and and it led to the famous line from vince it was an excellent show with an excellent finish because all vince mcmahon was concerned with was bobby lashley winning at the end and holding up the title and then as the story goes the next day when the feedback started coming through and, and Vince saw all the negative reviews and all the negative feedback from from their fans uh, he also realized that the show was terrible but uh, at the next TV uh you know Heyman ended up quitting because he saw that he was going to lose that power struggle forever and uh, it was, it, the whole brand was becoming something that um, you know he knew wasn't going to work that's the truncated version of December to dismember when I get around to that show on November to remember oh
1: dear God
0: <laughs> 10 years from now <laughs> 10. I'm going to go into extreme detail on it because that is a fascinating night, you know, and that was like the Cliff Notes version. And I don't know if a lot of people know, you know, all of that drama that was taking place like during that show and then and, and the fallout and why it occurred. But, yeah, the show was terrible. Now, I, I like that show in a non-ironic way, and I know I'm like the only person on earth who enjoyed that show. So I concede that I am the outlier opinion. And, yes, that is one of the worst – wrestling pay-per-views period of all time and king of the ring 95 i think is another one as well um but i think you know december to dismember the fact was that was the end of that brand i mean it was all downhill from there until it basically just became a developmental brand i mean from there just uh, you know WWE C W became where they would bring their call-ups to to kind of get their feet wet before they call them up to Raw or smackdown And, um, you know, and and there'd be one or two big stars. The original idea was to, you know, use Chris Benoit in that role, and then he killed his family. Uh, But then later on, you'd have people like uh, Christian towards the end, I think, was like a a veteran that they put on the show. Uh, He was a champion towards the end, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And there were other guys, too. They would put, you know, like, I think Shelton Benjamin, they tried to give him a – the gold standard gimmick was started (sighs) on ECW. Yeah um and it didn't work out and and it would be a mix of like veteran hands and then young guys from fcw like that got their start there like kofi kingston got his start there.
1: yeah ezekiel she- jackson i think too right
0: yes he did sheamus got his start there um there, there's a whole bunch of them you could just go right down the line sean spears got his start there how about that one uh, what was his name at that when he came up to ECW? I can't remember. Oh that.
1: yeah, what uh, the hell was Sean Spears' name then? It wasn't Ty uh, Dillinger obviously, yeah. but yeah, uh, what was his fucking name? No, then? it I wasn't Ty.
0: It was Sean Spears, wasn't it?
1: Um, or or was it Gavin? Spears, was it Gavin Spears? Gavin, Gavin Spears. Gavin, I forget if it was Gavin or Sean. It was either one of those two. I, I, I remember Gavin, but yeah, I'll, I'll try to look it up if I can. So
0: that's how far back he goes, you know. So um, that's just a, a, a fascinating era of. Um, of uh, of ECW, uh, but but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, December to December was yeah a, a terrible show, which which had a lot of terrible fallout, just like this show. I mean, you look at Raw Rich, and remember this is a Raw post pay per view, which is supposed to get a bump. I already noted they did their worst hour ever in the eighteen to forty nine demo with that 0.42 third hour, headlined by Randy Orton in the Big Show, right? But there's other numbers here that uh, that Meltzer reported that are just staggering. Year-over-year year drops in the uh, in the eighteen to thirty-four-year-old demo, they dropped seventy-six percent over last year's <laughs> show. Seventy-six percent. The eighteen to forty-nine demo is sixty percent drop, and overall is a forty-seven percent drop in viewership year-over-year. Uh, year so,
1: last year what was show. that one again? So, read that that first one back again. The the one that was a seventy-plus, uh, what a seventy-nine percent drop
0: in the eighteen to thirty-four adult demo. They dropped seventy-six percent from God, last damn it.
1: year. <laughs> That's
0: ridiculous. And coming off of a pay-per-view, this is why I say this may go down as one of the most disastrous pay-per-views. And 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 keep in mind too that a lot of the stuff that they did on the pay-per-view was designed to get people interested in raw
1: right i think that's the other part that plays into this a lot as well When we talk about you know king of the ring and december December, and all these other you know terrible pay-per-views in history well you know those pay-per-views were just bad because a lot of the bad stuff that they had planned during the show or whatever but this entire show was rewritten so that they could hook you for the next night okay sasha's gonna win the despite the title in disputed fashion so go watch raw to see what's gonna happen there this is gonna happen right. so go watch there was multiple things on the show that were, re- were rewritten at the last minute to change things around, to do shitty finishes, to do screwjob finishes, all that sort of stuff. With the idea that, oh, well then they're going to watch Raw to see what the follow-up is. They're going to watch Raw to see if Sasha Banks really did win the championship. They're going to watch Raw to find out if MVP really did win the championship. They're going to follow, you know, follow up on Raw to see what this is. There was multiple parts of that show that were designed exclusively to get you to watch Raw. And it didn't happen. And, and I talked about this last week. The old There used to be... Every, and even in the early days of us doing this podcast, there always used to be those things that we'd say, okay, Vince wants to get the ratings going, so he'll do X. You know, He'll build up a good pay-per-view and do a bunch of stuff that's going to kind of hook you for Raw, and it would, it would bump up the ratings a little bit, or he's going to debut this guy and bump up the ratings a little bit. He's going to turn this guy, and it's going to bump the ratings up a little bit. We now see that none of those things work. Even having a pay-per-view that's designed exclusively around... Getting people to watch your TV, which again, I don't think is the worst idea. It kind of stinks. It's bad for like a viewer like me who wants to watch these pay-per-views and enjoy them and all that sort of stuff. But with that being said... You look at the WWE network and how important that is to their business, and you look at how important TV ratings are and how important the USA deal and all that sort of stuff is to, you know, I I get it. I understand why they have that idea of like, all right, look, let's build the pay per view to Raw. It's again, it's another kind of laughing at WCW thing that WWF used to do and every podcast used to do. Oh my God, look at WCW. They're building the Nitro instead of the pay per views. But the the landscape has changed a lot. So, whatever. Like, I don't have a huge issue with that. It kind of stinks, but whatever it didn't even work it didn't even work for that they 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 sacrificed a pay-per-view they sacrificed a lot of great matches great stories great match you know great wrestlers uh, great performances all that sort of stuff got sacrificed to build the raw and it's one of their worst ratings of of all time it's you it's ridiculous
0: make, you can make a better argument that that's a better strategy today since tv revenue is what drives the cart as opposed to the pay-per-view revenue or in this case the network revenue, which they seem to have thrown the towel on anyway, when WCW was doing it, it was especially stupid to use the pay-per-views to build the TV because the pay-per-views are, are what was, was, the, was the top revenue driver. Like the pay-per-views were your lifeblood then, right. and they were more concerned with winning what ultimately was a meaningless ratings battle than, uh, than concentrating on, their, on the quality of their pay-per-view shows. Because it meant more to them to be able to puff their chest on Tuesday afternoons, whereas, okay, maybe, you know, if you had lost a few of those 52 weeks, but we're killing it on pay-per-view, you might still be in business today. You know, you talk about that all the time. Like the ratings war then was far more of of a chest puffing thing than now it's, it's, it's vital in that you're making the majority of your money. AEW does not exist without their television deal. So the ratings are vital. It's very important for them to do well against NXT. uh, Just, you know, so, you know, that's what got them that four year renewal, right? So it's actually not as bad of a strategy now. I still think it's a bad idea to use your pay per views to build your TV, though. I think you want to keep your pay per views and your network events feeling as special as possible so people feel like they have to pay a premium because they're seeing something special. You know, you don't want people to think they're just going to see angles to build towards Raw because now you're making Raw the more the more important thing, which it is in this environment. But you want people to 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 want to spend that nine ninety nine a month too to watch these other shows. So I, to me, it's kind of sacrificing those pay per views uh, when and you mitigate their importance when you're using them to build Raw. It's also a sign of desperation, is really what it is. You know, it's 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 they know there's a problem with their television ratings. And all of these moves that they're making are, are signs of desperation, and it, and it clearly didn't work. The, you know, Raw did horrendously. And Rich, I don't know if you noticed or if you watched Raw, or if you uh, no. <laughs> yeah.
1: Believe it or not, I did not watch Raw.
0: I watched the whole three-hour show. I watched the entire thing, and I have to tell you, this Bruce Pritchard, and and look, I know a lot of it is Vince. Okay, I know a lot, and and ultimately the buck stops with Vince. We all know that, but a lot of this stuff has Pritchard's fingerprints too, and this Pritchard Vince team. I mean, you know, the, the Orton Big Show main event, obviously, as we know, was a colossal failure. I mean, you know, a, the worst uh, hour of Raw in Modern. Yeah, who would have uh, fucking I,
1: thunk that? Jesus Christ. I well, mean, Big come show. on. Well, I mean, Big Show debuted
0: in 1999 and Randy Orton debuted in 2001. And this would be the equivalent of an Attitude Era Raw headlining with Spiros Arion versus Tony Gurria. Think about that.
1: Right. It, I, I love those. Yeah, I love those. It's it's like, it's utterly ridiculous. Like, I, I love those ones where you think of like, yeah, it would have been like in 1997, you know, fucking Bruno coming out and beating Stone Cold Steve Austin for the title or whatever. It's just, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Nice.
0: You know, it's like, it, it would be the equivalent of, of in 1999. What was The Rock's big year? 99? Uh, 98,
1: 99. Yeah, 99. Let's go with 99. It's
0: like, it'd be the equivalent of in 1999 when you do the same math of like Spiros Arion, who was a big deal in 1978, still headlining on Raw in
1: 1999. Right, still Don John, 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 John Leo Jonathan coming out and challenging him to a match. Yeah, and you it's, know, like, it's like ridiculous. It's
0: dual guy. It, it'd be like yeah, it'd be like Spiros Arion and Tony Garea still being top guys right. in 1999. That's what you're getting with you know Randy Orton and Big Show, and you know it's like you know. Y- y- it, this is this is total Pritchard, and you look and and they they totally, uh, you know Seth the Seth Rollins Alistair Black match. I mean, what are we doing here? Like he he didn't just beat Alistair Black. They basically wrote him off. They they people say buried a lot. This was a true burial because Rollins not only won the match, but then they attacked him in the post match and laid him out and injured him.
1: Yeah, I, I did see, I did see the clip of that, which was startling. So it's like why <laughs> yeah. why
0: and why do that to Alistair Black? I mean, here's someone who is fresh and unexposed and someone who Heyman wanted to get behind, but it was very clear that Vince was never on the same, because it would be start and stop, or they would just do these weird things. And then, uh, you know, Garza and Humberto, uh, not Humberto, not Garza, and, uh, uh, Andrade, Garza Andrade. and Andrade, you know, then they, they lose a non-title match to Street Profits. It's not even a title match, a non-title match. And it's like, they lose and they look like goofs. And it's like, you can see and we talked about this when Pritchard took over. You're going to quickly find out which of the Heyman guys Vince was behind and which of the Heyman guys Vince was not behind.
1: Do you think do you think it was quicker and, than than you even imagined? I mean, cuz you can look a month out and see very I like I could write down every single guy <laughs> that obviously that they didn't see out of eye so on let's, that Let's
0: it's they, it okay, so obviously Alistair Black. Yeah, for sure. The way he was booked this week. And look, People are going to say, well, let it play out, and it's like... Stop with that shit. We've let a lot of stuff play
1: to... out in this company. We're always and, and right. We're always fucking right about it. I hate that. <laughs> and, and,
0: and it's like, that's just not what they do. Like, this, this company... Like, okay, if this were another promotion, remember maybe... The,
1: remember the arguments with Cedric Alexander? No, no, him yeah. losing to AJ Styles every week is going to help. And we're like, no, it's not. And no, it might help. It's He's becoming a bigger star because he's losing to a star. Okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, well, will. And then, yeah, we're, you can't find him with the fucking search party anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's team at Ricochet now. They were the main event crew for a long time. And, you know, losing to
1: Brock in four seconds is going to be good for Ricochet. It's going to help him. Okay. All right.
0: Yeah, and then he ended up on main event for months, for like six months.
1: (laughs) Begging people on Twitter to watch main event. Please. It's a good show, I promise. (laughs)
0: And now they're trying them as a tag team now, but it's like you know they're not going to get behind those no. guys, and it's like so you know, and then Black the way he was treated this week, and then um, uh, uh, Garza and I can never remember uh, and and uh, uh, Lissambr. Oh, La- La- yeah, Andrade, Andrade, yeah, Andrade. So you know, you know, you know, and and you know they're doing some story with them where they're on a the classic losing streak. Rich, you know that that one always works, <laughs> always like works well. Yeah. You know, and it's like that's Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon stuff, and we tried to tell people, look. Heyman's Raw's were not good. I know. When did we come on this show and 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 rant and, and brag about? No, and, they and, stunk. And,
1: they were they were bad. No,
0: but but at minimum, he was trying all of these new people or t- attempting to try with these people, which Bruce Pritchard's never going to do because he's just going to do he, he's 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 writing a show for for an audience of one, and that's how you end up with Randy Orton and Big Show in your main event while Ricochet. And Cedric Alexander depushed and Alistair Black is being written off. And, you know, the hot tag team that was on the come up is is losing non-title matches. And but there are some that you, like, OK, Street Profits. That was a Heyman call and they appear to like them. They're still being pushed. Um, Drew McIntyre. Now, look, we stated our case on that. I think the minute the fans are back, Drew McIntyre is done. Oh,
1: I'm going to make can I can I make an, uh, a, uh, an update to that? Sure. I think at SummerSlam that boy's eating an RKO.
0: That's possible, too. I mean, that's possible, too. I, I'm not – look, the jury's out on Drew because he's still been book strong. Um, I don't like him a couple weeks ago, like, teaming with R-Truth and stuff because R-Truth – a main eventer should be nowhere near R-Truth, but that's just what they do. And But, but I mean, to me, the jury's out on Drew, but I I'm with you. I don't think long-term he will keep his push. I think he is a stand-in for Roman Reigns. Um, they appear to like the Street Profits, so that one stuck. They brought back Shayna, but where she been, like, she came back and now she's gone again. So I don't know what's going on with Shayna, but they did bring her back. But it's look, Vince never liked Shayna Baszler. He fought with Heyman on Baszler, and especially when she got poor crowd responses. That seemed to be it for her. Um, so, you know, who else is there? I mean, that's most of them, right? Yeah, most Liv the, Morgan's oh, Apollo, an interesting
1: one. She's just randomly she's gone. gone. Yeah.
0: Liv Morgan's gone. Apollo Crews has, well, we think has COVID, right? So, um, that might be a little asterisk next to that one. Cause, you know, he, his push was being maintained, but who knows? He may have lost to MVP anyway if he was healthy. We don't know. So I'd say that one is still, uh, you know, uh, up, up for review, but it's very clear that, um, some of the Heyman guys have been – and girls have been uh, you know, either taken off TV or, or buried. Um, but – and the results are just getting worse though. That's the thing. I mean I don't – and again, Heyman's Raws weren't great and his results weren't great. I mean the show was sliding. But there's something to be said for building towards the future and accepting that things are going to burn now. What are they doing now? Yeah, they're doing they're
1: nothing not- to build. for. Them. It's all short-term, short-term, short-term. Next week, next week, next week. You know, pop a, a number here, pop. An, and, and we're seeing that it's, it's, fans are realizing quickly that, nah, eh, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, and, and again, like you said, the, the Heyman Raws were, were not doing well. The ratings-wise were not doing well. But you could look up and down the card. Like, I'm looking at one from you know f- April 6th. Right now, and you could see the, the amount of your, like kind of young talent, interesting talent, uh, long matches, stuff that are going on. And that's the other thing, too, that's going on with Raw. That of, of what I have watched, I DVR every single week. I don't even know why I do it anymore. I basically just fast forward through most of it. I didn't, I did not fast forward through this week. So I, even this week, I was like, I'm, I'm good, I need some separation. But uh, they've even gone to like, ah, fuck it, let's just have like two minute matches. You know, the matches are never long anymore, they're really quick, just people talking all the time, just a ton of talking. And it, it, again, you look at that and you contrast that with you know, uh, uh Heyman Raw, and yeah, it's it's night and day difference like on this raw that I'm looking at you know April 6th uh, Alistair Black and Apollo Crews have a 27 minute match like that that, they'd be unheard of on today's raw uh, a Bruce Pritchard written uh, raw that would just be unheard of and you know yeah it wasn't all good and there was a lot of stuff that was bad but and we said at the time too like we're in favor of building for the future look at picking guys picking 10 guys and saying look we're gonna try with these 10 guys five of them are probably not gonna work you know, three might yeah, be iffy, but hey, if we strike on one, if we strike on two, we're good. We're, we're good. We have created a new star. We've created somebody new. They're not even trying that anymore. Bruce Prichard and, and Vince are just deciding, hey, who worked in the past? Boom. There we go. The fucking Big Show. I cannot, like, it was a joke. Remember when I made the joke that they were going to bring the yeah. Big Show back and they fucking brought him back and they've been pushing him ever since? And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that anymore. Every and your fans, your young fans, those 18 to 34s or whatever that you were talking about, the 18 to 35s, those ones, dude, they weren't even born when Big Show, they were like 10 years old when the Big Show had debuted. You know what I'm saying? Like Case Lowe, who writes for our website was born the week that he debuted. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. We had yeah. a guy that, that that on Twitter said that, you know, when 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 um you know, when Big Show debuted in WCW, he was in 6th grade and now he has like a 6th grader and an 8th grade child. It's yeah. like ridiculous. Like what are we doing? Come on.
0: Yeah, and it, it, <laughs> like it's
1: generations have passed.
0: And I mean Randy Orton's a nice guy to have on a roster, but it's like there's no evidence he was ever the level of star that they think he is. And now he has this wonderful statistic, you know, on his on his belt for the worst hour in raw history. So um you know, the Heyman era was more and people are gonna say we're Heyman apologists again, but we're I'm just giving it to you straight. I mean the Heyman era was A teardown and a rebuild. It was like when a baseball team presses the reset button, trades all of their assets, and starts over. It's going to take some time. And it was going to take at least 18 months to see what you had there if you were truly... But when you're constantly working against the person who's making the final calls and they're not letting you see your vision through, it's impossible. You know? I, know, I, I, I can say with confidence that it wasn't a Heyman call to have AJ Styles just... Squash Cedric Alexander, and beat him four times in a row. That just goes against how Paul Heyman books. You know, same thing with Ricochet eventually losing that few- – like that's the opposite of the Heyman doctrine of how to book pro wrestling. So I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I pin that on Vince. I do. If that makes me an apologist, fine. But I have at least – I have history to back up – why I don't think that that would have been his call Right
1: we have 30 years of his booking And you know 40 years of, of Vince's booking And it's pretty obvious you know where that would fall <laughs> on, the, on, the, yeah. on the ledger there So
0: His MO has always been Use the older stars to get over the new stars Always that's always been his MO And like the cuck stuff That's Heyman That's bad and that yeah, was Yeah it fucking
1: stunk but it was Heyman all, all the way Yeah he's, he's trying to get horny teenagers To watch his television show
0: And, and, and for a while it was starting to work Remember they started to increase their young female yeah, demos. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that, you know, people rip that stuff, but it was starting to, I don't like it. I don't want it. You know, the cuck stuff and using the edgy language and having people curse, slip, 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 some curses in there. That is Heyman's fingerprints as well. I mean, it's very clear to see what he was getting through and where he wasn't getting through uh, to his boss. And they have a love-hate relationship and they were never going to get along long-term. Bruce Pritchard gets in the room and he just does whatever he thinks is going to appeal to Vince and extend – his job security and everything else—that's all, you know. And it, it's like—and this is the result—and you know, just something like talking about reforming the nation of domination. I
1: saw that. I was just
0: like, it's God. like, okay, maybe it would work out. Maybe it would be cool. But why? Again, why are we reusing an idea from 20 years ago? Right do something fresh. I can't
1: believe MVP has come in and he's like a vital part of this company again. It, it's... it's 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 crazy. It's since <laughs> it's, it's, it's 2020 and it's like okay, on the same breath like I love Johnny Swinger and I love Tommy on Impact, but that's Impact. Like they they have a very thin roster. Well, uh, uh, yeah, they used to have Johnny, a thin roster, but
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. Johnny Swinger wasn't a vital part of Impact 20 years ago. He's just a retro character.
1: Right, exactly. Well, And, and I'm at like, you know, this is a company that has signed literally every good North American talent, save for like three or four guys, and they're like, God damn MVP, that's our guy. Like, as I'm as we're recording this, I'm scrolling and I see MVP and WWE negotiations for a long-term deal, and it's just like, what the
0: fuck? Now, look, he's, now listen, he's done a good job. Of the no, I've liked of it. Stuff, yeah,
1: he's like, been good, but... He's
0: been okay. Like, people are overrating how good he's been. Like, he's been fine. He's been, you know... But it's like... That's the basic problem with the company. They always look backwards because they have failed to look forward. They just – they're so bad at moving forward that they're constantly looking backwards to save themselves. And it's just – he's a very small part of a larger problem. OK? MVP getting a little a retro run in a flourishing company that's doing well and doing some good mid-card promos isn't a problem. That would be a positive. The problem is they're constantly digging into their past to try to save their ass because they're so horrible at setting up their future. So instead of being like a little positive, like, uh, you know, he, he ends up being part of a larger problem, you know, and, 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 and he's part of the problem that gives you Randy Orton big show main events that completely flop because they've completely lost touch with uh, with their audience and what their audience wants and what a new audience wants. And they're a complete failure to make stars. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Heyman's guys wouldn't have worked out. But we'll never know now he wasn't given free reign to do the job. And now they've pulled the plug on half of them, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe Montez Ford. Like, they're still pushing them. Obviously, Montez Ford is the star of that team long term. I think we would all agree there. Maybe he's the guy that eventually breaks out. I think he has that potential. But do you have any confidence in how they handle that? Yeah, zero.
1: And 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 that's the other issue too. And I I do wonder if there are a lot of people now little by little – that are watching and realizing that there's just no reason to invest in these future guys. There's no reason to invest in anybody. There's no reason to invest in any sort. Like we say that we say that like from a a smart standpoint and like, Oh, they're not going to push that. But like fans realize that too. Like even your casual fans know that a guy is like, you know, on the come up or that a guy is interesting or there's someone that they enjoy or whatever. And there's just no need or no reason to invest in any of those guys because we, again, like we as smarts can go back and look and say, Oh, you know, they they haven't built anybody in, in, in years and like legit they haven't, but like, Even your casual fans, they have to be feeling it and seeing it, too. Realizing, wait a minute, what? Big Show and Randy Orton? Like, come on. That shit I watched when I was a kid. Like, you got nobody else. There's nobody new. There's nobody interesting. And and time and time again, it's not like we're the super hot take that building young stars is the way to, you know, go through any wrestling history. Save for... A brief period in WCW where they decided, let's roll back Hulk Hogan and, and, and Randy Savage and Ric Flair and Roddy Piper and all those sort of guys. I will argue that Diesel and Randy Razor Ramon obviously were big parts of that. But say for that one moment in WCW where the NWO formed, and they had to completely transform their characters, by the way, to do it. But save for that one moment, the, what has always pushed wrestling is new stars, new people, uh, you know, fresh stars, whatever you want to say, even if they're not new. Just fresh, different, new, whatever. That has always pushed pro wrestling. And somewhere along the line, they've forgotten it, and it's it's costing them. I mean, it's not co- it's costing them the casual fans, and it's obviously costing them the hardcore fans. But yeah, it's just like there's there's just no reason. Like even if you were a casual fan, why would you watch this? You know what 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 would possess well, you? Well, you're not. Well, you're not. It, yeah, exactly. Like the, you know, if you don't like it, stop watching. Well, yeah, okay, no one's watching anymore. Like it, it's you know seventy what seventies percent or whatever. Of that age group have just stopped watching. And I think that is that is the most galling number right there because your old school old fans or whatever they're we say every single week they're just going to turn on USA at eight o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever and they're just going to watch the wrestling. They're going to watch wrestling. And that's what they do. I have a guy at my work, and every week he watches. Wrestling. He means WWF when he says wrestling or WWE when he says yeah. wrestling. But he, every yeah. single way. He's you know 61 years old or whatever. Like I don't know that. But your fans that have other options, that have other entertainment options, that have other things to do, are just saying, nah, I'll go watch something else. In droves. In droves. 78% year over year have decided, nah, I'm good.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, Brandon Howard had a great thread on Twitter and you know, he noted that even with these steep declines, you know, we haven't really reached a point where they're in any kind of serious danger of the networks uh, pulling plugs and, and whatnot, and they do have several years left on these deals to turn it around. That's the thing. The money is guaranteed from the USA side for what four more years or something like that. I believe so. Yeah. And you know, and and they can you know, and, and that money is going to sustain them. I mean, all you need to know about that is there is there's a very good chance they're going to have their most profitable year of all time during COVID. That that's how. Incredible, these television deals are for them. And this is year one. But where I disagree with Brandon to some extent, and I don't want to speak for him because he may actually agree with this point, is that, yeah, Fox might be looking at these SmackDown results now and saying, ah, well, it's not what we expected, clearly, but we're still sometimes number one in the demo and we're still doing a lot better than we were doing. You know, among younger viewers than previously, and we're only spending $1.9 million per hour for the programming because it runs 52 weeks a year. So these are suboptimal results, but we'll live with them. And I think that's really what's happening with Fox right now. But the problem is, Rich, I don't think they've bottomed out. That's the issue. I agree. There's no evidence that they're done falling.
1: This so- is supposed to be the good period. I mean, I know there's COVID. I know there's all this sort of shit. But summer is when they get their – like we said, the Fox deal was signed for summer to say, hey, fuck it. Great. Now we got sports in the summer. We're going to sustain the summer when, you know, normally we lose ratings or whatever. But we're going to have a hook now. And USA, same deal. Like in the summer is when you're supposed to be building this up. To have record lows now, and I agree as well. Like I, I, I really and, – and I am fascinated to see how next week – and especially the week after go, and and we've talked about it for weeks and it's on the horizon, it's coming. This Monday, that was their last without sports, without direct, professional, regular season sports or postseason sports or whatever you want to call it, whatever this weird sports season that we have coming up. Next week is a full slate of MLB games, and the week after that is MLB, NBA, and NHL playoffs all on a Monday night, which is unprecedented. A lot of those those will stay away from Monday nights. There's very rarely national televised NBA games on Monday nights. They do that later in the year after Monday night football. Baseball on Monday nights, yeah, they do that. But, like, you know, baseball nationally isn't that big of a deal. I do think this year could be different. We're going to see about that. And NHL, like, NHL playoff hockey does pretty good, usually. You know, the playoffs, everybody gets excited. and, And even if you're not a hockey fan, most people agree that playoff hockey rules. And it's awesome. They're jumping right to fucking playoffs. So you have playoff hockey... Regular season Major League Baseball in a condensed season where every game matters more than ever. And the fucking dynamo that is the NBA up against, you know, fucking Lakers. <laughs> LeBron James and the Lakers and stuff. And it's just like, dude. Like, we haven't seen it. And I'm with you. Right now, it's bad. In two weeks' time, circle back. There's no way that it's not an absolute, absolute bloodbath. And you you asked me a few weeks ago, could they go under $1 million? And I said no. I don't know. <laughs> like
0: even outside of the stiffer competition and this perfect storm of competition because COVID pushed all the sports back and are forcing them all to run against each other. I mean, just their own product, just their own product is so bad and their fans are, re- are rejecting it. So, that, that I, and, and and we keep seeing worse and worse results. How yeah, long they're it in a vacuum. Now?
1: They're in a vacuum right now and they're plummeting ratings.
0: And there's nothing yeah. else to
1: do or watch. And they're losing ratings.
0: So, maybe that $1.9 million per hour is still kind of a value for Fox but rich it wasn't that long ago where people were saying where we were like I don't know uh you know 2.5 million viewers on Friday nights on the network and people were like oh yeah but they're still still crushing everything else they're doing point eights in the demo now we're down to point fours in the demo in the summer on Fox and we're doing 1. you know seven million viewers a week or whatever it is and now the argument has kind of had been forced to shift again to oh well well it's still it's suboptimal but it's good enough well what's the next step down from here? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I feel like that's you know, we can't work under the assumption that this is where the floor is. You know, if this drops down even lower and they're consistently getting beat on Friday nights, you know, what happens when that one point nine million per hour is no longer of value? And when Fox says to themselves, all right, well, there's other forms of cheap programming we could put on that are even cheaper than this that can get us the same results that this is getting us. You know, and it, it's, it's uh, you know, and you could argue that when fans come back, maybe they'll get a bump from that. And I think that they will, but I don't think it will sustain because the show is what it is and it's bad. That The core issue is that the show is fucking horrendous. It's bad. SmackDown is bad. Raw is bad.
1: I, I do and, wonder as well, not to kind of interrupt, but, you know, as I'm kind of thinking about this as, as well, is that, you know, you're talking about Fox who already has a relationship with Major League Baseball. And if they see the MLB ratings are doing pretty good, it, they're, I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility, and I have no idea the legalities of this, to say, you know what, fuck it, yeah, we'll pick up a Friday night game. Someone's playing on a Friday night. People are even playing every night, Major League Baseball. It's not like you need to save a night or, or stay away from a night or whatever. Why not? Yeah, fuck it, yeah, we'll put on a, a MLB-Fox game. You know, if, if yeah, I, I like, and, and nothing's out of the window. And these leagues are not going to really play hardball, because they fucking need to make money, too. So if Fox says, hey, we'll pay you X million, and they'll go, yeah, whatever, who cares? Sure, who cares, you know, we'll take the money Actually- and.
0: For now, they seem pretty committed to leaving SmackDown on Fridays. And and it does still make sense for them to do that. But we're getting to the point where it's going to start to not make sense for them to do that if they continue to drop at these rates. Right. And – we could talk about sports competition and everything else, but at the end of the day, it's the core product, and it's
1: yeah. In, the, in their own vacuum, they're fucking terrible, and and there's and, and there's no one in sight either. That that's the other thing as well. In, in any other instance, we've been over the nine or eight years of the show or whatever the hell, we've always talked about this guy, that guy. Yeah, okay. What if you push this? You know, we we've always had like in our mind, we hate fantasy booking, but there's always felt like there was all right, push Daniel Bryan, all right, push CM Punk, or you know, even in those days, you know, Bray Wyatt, or hey, you know, they're trying with Roman Reigns, it's not working, but they're gonna keep trying with him or whatever dude if like the the question that you brought up a month ago and it's still it, it and anytime anybody talks to me and they always say you know if i'm talking to a friend they go well what, what can we do to get better and I, everything and i always ask them i said okay next week i want you to give me the best rating you could possibly give i want you to give me the best match the best rating whatever for raw next week what's your match what's your main event
0: yeah and i've done that exercise it just doesn't and exist. just like
1: you do all my friends they, they go um mm-hmm. And they just kind of go. I don't know, and I'm like, yeah, I know. We've reached that point where legitimately, I couldn't short of saying, "Hey, Dwayne, how you doing, pal? Like, what's up? You know, where John, maybe- how are you?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> like- or or maybe you know, maybe if a year ago they sustained their pushes for Cedric Alexander or Ricochet or Shayna Baszler or whoever, maybe you'd have some money matches on the table right
1: right even if they're like ridiculous you know a lot of times in 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 the past we've always had these dumb like dudes on the mid car that we think are really good that should get pushed higher like everybody has that i don't even have one of those anymore i look at raw yeah i guess montez ford i know that's what i mean but like that's really i mean i i I love montez ford but man if he's like the savior (laughs) you know that's that's not great
0: I really feel like if he is handled properly, he can be a huge star. I really feel that
1: way. No, I think he's fantastic too. It's just like, again, it's he's also the faith charisma. thing too. I can't even in my brain imagine them deciding, yeah, he's our guy. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even how can they not them see, doing that. How, I, how can they
0: not see the potential in that guy? He's got charisma. He can talk, he does things athletically that no one else can do. Um, you know, he invent, he invents shit that splash that he does where he turns in midair. I mean, you know, he, he, he's got, he's a total package. I mean, he pops off the screen. I mean, that's a guy I'd be handling with care. I, I would be building him to be my top guy right now where, you know, it's obvious he has a ways to go, but I'd be assembling the foundation and the building blocks for that guy. It's like. I'd call up Adam Cole and I'd start the clock ticking on that, you know, and, and give that a shot on either Raw or SmackDown, one of the two shows. You know, Adam Cole beats Daniel Bryan in the run-up to Survivor Series, and they do such a good job with NXT in the run-up to Survivor Series. And oh, by the way, do tremendous numbers on Wednesday nights while they were doing all of that, if you recall. So people were into it, and then after Survivor Series, they let it, they just piss it all away, and and it's forgotten about and no one really benefits from any of it, and they all cool off. I know they heated up Keith Lee again later, but I I don't think that was a a sustained push. So it's like, you know, there's guys, that the roster's loaded. I mean, you have Bianca Belair, who is another one, who just gets called up and then disappears into the ether. Why? I mean, why isn't Bianca Belair... Mixing it up with Sasha Banks and Bailey right now and getting the rub from them and 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 being built up to be on their level. And hopefully become bigger stars than they are. Because I got news for you. They're not turning it around either. Okay? For all the talk that they get and how as good as they've been, we need to pump the brakes on Sasha Banks and Bailey, Because they've headlined a lot of these shows. And, uh, you know, they're not exactly popping monster numbers either. So why isn't someone like Bianca Belair mixing it up with them and taking the next step? Why have they done what they've done with Rhea Ripley? You can go right down the line. Yeah. Rich, there's people there to answer your question. And I'm talking you know, deep. you know, People like Montez Ford, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, they haven't even scratched the surface on pushes with these people. And in some cases, they've started to push them and then just pissed it away for unknown reasons. So I don't want to hear that. I, I'm not letting them off the hook. There's people there that, that a good booker would salivate to get Oh, their for family. sure. Yeah, I,
1: I, don't get it. T- I wasn't saying that there weren't talented people. I'm just saying I don't see any path for any of those people. You, no, you know you what I'm no saying? Yeah.
0: You have no faith in the execution, of course. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. You have no faith in the execution. But it's like Paul Heyman saw a number of people he wanted to get behind. Stonewalled all along. You know, you, you can't see it through. You know, you don't think Tony Khan would like to get his hands on some of the people I just named? I mean, come on. You know, it's like so, but yeah, you you can't have any faith in the execution, none whatsoever. So that that that's the problem is the core products and the inability to think forward. And that's how you end up with Randy Orton and Big Show, and MVP getting a multi year deal. Good for MVP.
1: Yeah, hey, <laughs> it's like some luck to him. Yeah,
0: he should be a nice addition to a young roster, not a stalwart on a roster where you don't know what you're doing. I don't have any problem with MVP, you know, but it's like part of a bigger issue. So that's Extreme Rules Fallout.
1: Yeah, leading a new, newly rebranded nation of domination is just, I mean, can you imagine pitching that? Why not come up with something new? I mean, it's
0: like, because that's what they do. They always dig into the past. Mm -hmm. I've said it before. They're the squirrel crossing the road. That gets seventy five percent across, and then they get scared and turn around and go the other way and get hit by which the car. is
1: it was. It's so wild about that too, is because and 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 for all that we could say about Pritchard would have he he would argue with you to 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 the end of the time in, in 1996, and, and Vince in 1996 would have said the same thing in nineteen eighty six in nineteen ninety six and in whatever other era. This was the company that was always. Forward thinking, almost to their detriment, a lot of times. Of like, now nah, that guy's too old, we can't have him on our team anymore. He's too old. He's too old. He's too old. Vince will give up on people too soon, right? And then the attitude era came, and th- his fucking brain broke, and he's just never gotten back. It's just, it's he. he I, I guess he's just not about the. struggle or the come up or whatever but like it's not working anymore (laughs) like you know the old guy thing is just it's not doing it but yeah it's wild because yeah Vince would you were 32 and it's like ah pal we got to figure out how to move you out (laughs) you're getting kind of old and it's like you know now it's like it's they're they're completely opposite they just they they refuse to to push new people and they only go back to you know the security blankets that they have like Randy Orton and, and, and Big Show and those sort of guys so it's just wild, given how how much of WWE history was them giving up on guys maybe too soon, or or worrying about guys getting too old, and now it's just like, my God, it's it's so the opposite, and and I don't know, it's wild. It's it's I, I'm with you. The floor I, we have not seen the floor yet. Things are going to get much worse, um, coming soon, and I, and I see no immediate turnaround either. I don't know.
0: I just always remember Dave saying, Dave Meltzer saying when they signed the new TV deals that. They're in a position now where literally monkeys can run the company, just chimpanzees can run the company uh, and do and make the worst decisions possible. And you could have a literal child running things and they're safeguarded and they will be insanely profitable and it won't matter. And we're actually seeing that play. out. we're actually seeing that play out where.
1: It, it's, it's what feels bad. like a literal champ, a chimpanzee I assume that there's yeah. not actually a chimp In the room, but I wouldn't put it past me That, that Bruce Pritchard has like a, a chimp in a, a cage And unleashes him and just throws darts And they go, yeah, there's my Night Raw, cool, thanks And then you know, they go drink beers and, and hang out In Vince's office or whatever So It's, it's, it, it, it's,
0: it's the worst Creative run the company has had in, it, Since I've been alive And I've been following this stuff And we're seeing that exact scenario play out Where it really doesn't matter but will it start to, can it get so low to where it will matter? You know, where, where, you know, I don't know about USA, but Fox, I don't know, man. It, it, and it's like, but they do have many years to figure it out. And with the luck that Vince McManus has, I would not be surprised if they back into the next megastar accidentally, which has often been the case. That's not a conversation for today. I've made that rant many times. Um, and, and, that's what it's going to take to get them out of the hole. Right. Really, but I, makes-
1: I do think, you know, again, on your point, again, and then we can kind of move on here a little bit, but never in this company's history has it been harder for somebody to organically get over either, or, or for them to fall ass backwards into somebody. They've created yes. a system where that just doesn't, that yeah. doesn't become the case. Even if they decided, okay, Montez Ford, we want you to be the biggest star ever. They would have him do some dorky lines backstage. He'd be... You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they just can't. They, they, it's not conducive to, it, to anybody getting over on their own anymore. It just isn't. Yeah,
0: because when you do, he, when you do they intentionally sabotage you because they didn't pick you. Well, you're not supposed to get over
1: yet. Or they have you a mind, him okay, burn. ah, he's getting over, he's getting hot or whatever. Now let's make him a megastar. And they have hey, this idea I of what think- a, quote, megastar is like. Roman Reigns organically got over. And, and we will... We're not huge Roman Reigns fans or whatever, but, like, he it grew from the shield and it organically grew and he was getting there and getting there and getting there. And then they decided he was going to be the rock and he was going to make jokes and make fun of people and do, and, and it just never worked. He was never a natural in that. He was never a natural talker. He wasn't a natural funny guy, hilarious, but that's a great example of, they had a guy that they were basically there with Roman Reigns and they decided, okay, he's going to be a star. So what he's going to do is he's going to beat everybody. He's going to become unstoppable and he's going to make fun of everybody because he's the rock. And it never worked because they just, they, they don't let guys do it. You know what I mean? They just don't let guys be that because they decide, even if they do become stars, that, oh, we know how to make stars. Okay, pal, here we go. Here's what we're going to do for you. And it just it never works, ever. It hasn't worked.
0: Well, I'll bring this full circle for you. We'll go all the way back to December to December, and then we'll close this up and move on to Impact, okay? A perfect example of, of, of what we're talking about. It was either at December to December or at the next TV. I can't remember which. I, I think it was the pay-per-view, though. And Heyman had pitched putting CM Punk out there to cut a promo or some kind of pre tape, something. And Vince nixed it because he said he didn't want to do that because then the fans are going to chant for CM Punk all night. And then <laughs> Heyman's, Heyman's response was, Well, great. Perfect. That means that, yeah, that means that's great. Like that means they like him and that means he's getting over. And that's when Vince snapped at him and said, Get it through your fucking head. It's about Bob. Lashley. Bobby Lashley is the star, and it's about pushing Bobby Lashley. So get with the program or get the fuck out. I'm paraphrasing, but those are almost the exact words as they were written in the book. Okay? So that's a perfect example of that. Getting over organically, they will cut you off if you're not the one they want to get over. And that is a real world example of it. And this is how it's been for the last 15, about the last 15 years. Like you said, post-attitude era. You're not allowed to get over organically anymore because they will not allow it, which is, sounds insane. Like, no, we don't want people to chant for CM Punk. We don't want him. No, because it, it all has to be about this guy. Whereas Vince, in the past, or any other logical pro wrestling promoter or booker, you run with the guy that is getting over. You know, but to them it's bad. And on a smaller scale, you could look at examples like like Zack Ryder, who was getting great reactions in buildings on his own. So they booked him like a geek to ensure that it would stop. Yeah, well,
1: Dana Bryan. What sense does it make? Dana Bryan worked, but fuck. <laughs> you know, we were doing shows at the time. They... He joined the Wyatt family, he lost to Randy Orton, he lost to the Big Show. I mean, it's funny that it's the same people, Randy Orton, Big Show. But I mean, go yeah. back to the, the, you know, what was it, 2006 or 2014 or whatever, you know, four consecutive pay-per-views or whatever, he gets Zack kicked, he gets punched out by a Big Show, he loses to Randy Orton, he loses to Randy Orton, he joins the Wyatt family, like, Batista comes in, like, they tried like hell to not make the Dan O'Brien thing work. And now they, they claim it as a success. When in real time, fuck, it was not.
0: Yeah, they spin the history like they landed a big success. Yeah, like that—that was all they're they're doing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So you're right. That's the other problem. They may not luck into someone because they cut them off. They cut them off. Um, You know, which which is crazy. But that's why they're in the predicament that they're in. So, uh, you know, what's what you reap what you sow, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Is
0: that the proper usage of that uh, turn of phrase? I think so. yeah. Yeah. That's some biblical shit. Where'd that come from?
1: Ah, uh, you're asking the wrong guy about biblical stuff, so isn't that Probably. where that phrase came from though? That's a Maybe. Bible thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, This so. is this is the worst show to have Bible discussion on. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> talking to two uh not uh, men that are not very well versed in the uh the old the old or the new testament. <laughs> None of the testaments. Yeah we, huh? we could tell you, you all uh, about like fucking don leo jonathan in like 1984 <laughs> you know? but i couldn't tell you don leo
0: jonathan 19 well obviously not because you're about two decades no no, old. no no i
1: meant i meant john leo jonathan and oh, you know showing and, and, up yeah. in
0: 1984 yeah, yeah. Oh, i got gotcha. you being out of date yeah but um didn't you go to a catholic college
1: i did yeah but regardless it didn't uh...
0: they didn't force you to take they like, did uh, no they didn't yeah new testament 101 no I
1: mean, no I no it wasn't like that sort of college which is good so I live near a college that's like that the the town I live in now is very religious and, like it, it like you don't have to if you live in the town like you know know about it but uh the college that we have in our town is like world renowned for like bible study and that sort of stuff but yeah, yeah i'm uh, I'm good so yeah. i i got like i i was raised and i did my but i did I don't remember any of it so Oh, same here. The minute I was allowed to leave, the minute my mom was like, Well, do you still want to go to class? I was like, You know, no. (laughs) And I never did. And I haven't been there since. I go on Christmas sometimes to appease my mom, who just wants me to lie and say that I still believe (laughs) in
0: weddings and funerals. Weddings and funerals. Yeah, weddings,
1: funerals, and occasionally Christmas is is about my attendance. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's probably a ball game (laughs) on like you said.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, I blow off most weddings anyway. I was thinking about this the other day. Do you know as an adult, is this, and, and I think that I've been to two weddings as an adult. That's a low number, isn't That's it?
1: remarkable, yeah. I went to four in one summer, so that is pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've uh, uh, three counting my own. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been a guest at two weddings That's in my good. entire life. That's good. Either month
1: everybody month. hates you or um, you, you've done well, so I don't, I don't no, know. No,
0: the invitation goes right in the trash. <laughs>
1: That's good. I and, like that.
0: There's two things that I get in the mail that go right in the trash, okay? A wedding invitation and jury duty. Those things go right in the trash with a chuckle. The jury duty gets a little chuckle. The wedding invitation, I'll open up and I'll laugh at it because they're always goofy. There's always some dumb picture of the couple, like having some whimsical fun, right? Right. And there's always, like, some bad pun on it or something. Oh, they're terrible <laughs> now.
1: Yeah, with their, like, with their wedding hashtag on it now, too. That's the new revolution yeah. is, like, forever, you know, whatever their last name is. Or some cutesy little, like, you know. Yeah.
0: Forever Betsy and Jimmy. Right. No <laughs> one cares. No one is hashtagging Betsy and Jimmy. Okay, I promise you. No one cares about your wedding except for you. Okay, that's number one. So keep your dopey hashtag. Number two, it's always some picture on the on the. It's always like a postcard. And then the other is always a picture. They're in a where prairie. They're,
1: like- they're in a prairie at yeah. sunset or something.
0: <laughs> they're both sniffing a daisy or they're both like, you know, some fucking bullshit. And I'm like, Jimmy does not want to be sniffing at daisy. Jimmy is mad because he missed the fucking Bears game that day because you made him go take pictures of sniffing daisies. OK, he's annoyed already and he hasn't even married you yet. Okay? That's the other thing about those pictures. You can always feel it in Jimmy's eyes. That he doesn't want to be sniffing those daisies, right? And then they have the RSVP. The the worst one I ever got, I got a wedding invitation from my cousin, right? And specifically where it said number of guests, it said zero for me. They weren't even allowing me to bring a date.
1: <laughs> You're gonna go stag on <laughs>
0: Yeah, it said right on there. It said, you are permitted zero guests. Wow, exactly. so
1: they were trying to keep the numbers down, and, and ah, fucking Joe. Joe so can, always, like, a can come, but nobody else.
0: I'm the guy who gets the cut. I don't get to bring the, like, I'm someone who gets... gets Which coffee.
1: would, oh, my dude, can you imagine? That'd be the worst one, too, because you're at the fucking, the misfits table, Reject too. table. Yeah, yep. yeah, where it's like, you know, Uncle Joe who smells... Not you, there's another Uncle Joe that smells. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the you know, the, the best man's, like, girlfriend who was just kind of looking at her phone the entire time you know just a, yeah, a terrible totally mishmash of people yeah the yeah, alcoholics the, are... the drug addicts the people that are just like the friend of the dad who who works at the dad's job or whatever you know just absolute yeah. garbage
0: the people you have to invite to your wedding because you were invited to theirs exactly so like, yeah, ah, yeah,
1: right yeah. right ah, well tommy invited me to his daughter's wedding so i guess i gotta invite him to this one but put him at the reaching table so
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe the audacity.
1: That's that's, that's some balls, yeah.
0: I took pictures of it, sent it to everyone in my family, saying I can't believe the audacity. And my brother made a good point. He's like, well, let's be honest. You wouldn't have went anywhere. (laughs) I was like, like, that's a good point, but I'm still insulted. We we, we talk massive
1: shit about every wedding invite we get, and it's like, why do we care? We're We're like, oh.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's
1: soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. That date, that venue, that place, we're not going to go anyway.
0: Yeah, flicked right in the garbage, you know? Same thing with the jury duty summons. I crumble it up and, and yeah, I'm and not so sure more. about that
1: one, but that's fine. I do a <laughs> fade.
0: I do a fadeaway jump shot right into the trash can, chuckling with glee. Rich, I've been doing it for 25 years. Now. <laughs> I, I don't you know how you've
1: gotten away on. with it. Yeah.
0: It goes right. I've done it for 25 years in two different states, right in the garbage every time. And yeah, you don't go to that shit. No need. They don't come after you. Trust me. Believe me. Now, when we don't do the show one week because they're hauling me <laughs> off the scale. was gonna say? Make <laughs> like, sure the you the don't family. fuck our taxes
1: up, by the way. So you're, you're good with <laughs> was, your taxes, I guess.
0: But. Taxes theft number one. Uh, number two, um, I have been skipping jury duty for 25 years. So if they ever do catch up to me, I'm probably in well, really there's not any fucking
1: not. cops or federal agents listening to the show. So
0: that's. I really don't think they come after people for skipping jury. I think that's just a myth. I think it's made up, and I've got the evidence to prove it. You just, you know, I've I've never so much have gotten a phone call. Yeah, that that's good. It's a terrible, her. it's a
1: terrible experience. There's like some people that like jury duty, and those people are fucking weird, and I don't trust them at all. Like that's the weirdest. It's there's nothing fun about it. I, I've had to do it once. Thank God I've never had to do it again. It was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Just sitting in a room for nine hours. They call you in. I said one thing. And they said, "Okay, you're out of here." And I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> and I went home. Like it was yeah. so bad. It was so terrible.
0: Imagine getting stuck on a jury for like four months. That's what I, I
1: always and there was like, I've, I got that tip from somebody as well. They always said, if you if you ever do jury duty, think about it. Do you really want to be doing like a case for for months on end? And 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 no, I don't. I'm really not just in doing that at all. There's some people that are more power to them, but they said just like when they ask you questions, just answer in, like, the worst way possible. Like, you don't have to say, like, you're racist or whatever, but, like, and, and I, I took that like, there was one There was, like, mine was, like, some DUI, some, like, DUI, some guy, like, hit somebody with a car while he was driving drunk or whatever, and they're like, alright, sir, have you uh, ever consumed alcohol and driven a car? And I'm like, yeah, who has it? And they're like, alright, you're out. <laughs> like, I was yeah, gone. Yeah. They, they immediately were like, no, he's done, he's done, he's done. I'm like, alright, cool, sweet, <laughs> like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I, they said just, like, find a way without saying, like, no, I, I don't like Mexican? Like, don't do that. Like, that, that's not a great idea, because then they're going to be like, oh, this guy's kind of an asshole. You might get on a list or whatever. But they said, like, find something that, like, you know that, like, the defense attorney's going to be like, oh, not this guy. And that's exactly what it was. They're like, have you ever driven uh, under the influence of alcohol? I'm like, yeah, sure. Who hasn't? Like, of course you have it." They're like, okay. Thank you, sir. I'm like, ah, cool, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: So. Nah, i would be, be a nightmare to get stuck on a, on, a, on a jury for some long, dragged-out case. Rich, the bottom line is I just don't care. I just want to go home. I want to watch a game. Speaking of watching games, breaking news, Rich, as we switch topics. <laughs> I saw to the, it, the perfect
1: 2020. If 2020 had to put a cherry on top of fucking everything, yes. What happened so, in our ball game that we were watching, Joe?
0: So it was a rain delay. <laughs> God damn it. But I've got uh, breaking news that they're breaking during the rain delay. You ready for this? Yeah, let's go. So the MLBPA has agreed to the expanded playoff proposal for Major League mm, Baseball. Interesting. So for this year, it's going. The playoffs are going from ten to sixteen teams. Ah, That's hey. per league. Okay. Now listen, we got all first and all first place teams. Obviously, division winners are going to the playoffs. All second place teams will qualify for the playoffs, and then the seventh and eighth place, the seventh and eighth playoff teams in each league will be decided by the best record among the remainder of the teams. So, uh, basically, more than half of Major League Baseball will be in the playoffs in this very strange uh, sixty game MLB season. Rich create your first impression of this.
1: Feeling good. Feeling good for my White Sox. I think we're I think we're playoff bound this year. So it seems hard to not. It'd be very disappointing for any team that's not uh, in those playoffs. And I so obviously this is being done as a concession for the lost playoffs and all that sort of stuff. I do wonder though, and, and, and I know Joe you're a man who, who likes, you know, his, his sports I don't wanna say you don't you don't like you're you're adverse to sweeping changes in your sports. Is that correct? What I what I was that a correct assumption?
0: No, I, I am averse to sweeping changes. This,
1: like you want the best record in the NL versus the best record in the AL, and
0: I. I don't go World that far. Series. No, I'm just i joking. don't go that in far. a nine game
1: World Series like the 20s. So
0: I like the playoffs as they're currently constructed, and I love the 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 winner go home wild card game. I think that's uh, uh, a lot of fun, and I think it's it's look you don't want to you don't want you don't want to be in the, the win and go home scenario, win your division, okay? right? Absolutely. And then, then that's how I feel about it. I think it's exciting and it's good TV. I this will say proposal, though,
1: are they ever going to go back?
0: Well, this is what I'm going to say. This proposal, I don't mind it for this year because this year is dumb anyway. Uh, do whatever you want this year. I will fucking hate
1: this. I think you're going to hate it. How are the? How, why would these? Why would these? Why would these franchises say no? We don't want playoff revenue. We didn't deserve it. <laughs> like,
0: well, the, the the thing the thing about it is the owners are trying to make up the lost revenue for not having any fans this year. So I understand from the perspective more playoff games equals more revenue and they and they and they're making up some of that lost revenue um, you know due to the fact that they're not starting until July 23rd and there's no fans i get it the problem is i don't want this moving forward if you want to do it this year in this wacky year to make up this lost revenue to give the fans a little something uh you know this will, i think this will be fun as a one year thing to have these big playoffs and and uh, everyone stays in the race longer and then you have the big playoffs in October i think it'll be a lot of fun I do not want this moving forward. Yeah, I, this I hate to it too. I don't days. like it either. And and they're, I think they're doing this gimmicky thing. And this I hate. This I fucking hate. Even this year, the the first place teams get to pick their opponents Oof. in the first round. That's
1: so weird.
0: <laughs> and they're doing it. And they're doing it as a special on TV. They're going to make a television event out of it. So you get to pick. And that's just – why create that bad blood? It's like that's schoolyard shit. I have no interest in that. You know what I mean? Like the team that gets picked is going to be annoyed and some people might be into that. I think that's that's not professional sports to me. That's shit you would do in a schoolyard, which is fine. You know, I don't want – I don't know. It seems yeah. That's
1: gonna be so weird, like the fucking you know me... the the Astros being like, yeah, give us the you know give us the Mariners and the Mariners are like, yeah, oh. we
0: think they stink, yeah so the
1: Mariners fucking together. suck, so we'll face them. And it's like, oh man. Like...
0: Now there's some people who might be into that, but I don't I don't get off on that. I think that's that's not professional sports to me. It'd be I, I cool don't if the
1: Mariners win is. the series, but the Mariners get their shit pushed in. <laughs> you know the Astros. It's just kind of like yeah. Oh. <laughs> like
0: yeah, I don't know. I'm not that part. I'm not into, but. Uh... You know, I, I don't you know, sixteen teams is way too many moving forward, but
1: uh cool for this year, but yeah, I don't love it moving forward. But the, this anytime, year I really anytime don't care. you add new playoff teams, it's very difficult to take them away. In 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 past history of sports, very rarely does a franchise go, you know what? Nah, we don't really want that playoff revenue. Take us out of the playoffs again. So no, you're fine. right.
0: You're right, but the difference here is this is not part of a, a collective bargaining, right? Right. Terms. It's
1: just a one year gimmick thing or whatever. Bargain. So that, that's cool. I, I'm I'm down for it one this year. Thing, so. year. This year's a fucking chaos anyway. Who cares? The Marlins might win the World Series. Anybody can win the World Series this year, and that's that's what I say. Like legit, when we talk about like you know, the the this season, like I'm gonna watch as many games as I possibly can. Like usually in MLB season, I know you're uh, every inning. You know, Reds game, you're going to watch every single... I, I'm, I'm like, a little bit more casual in that sense. We're all, you know, watch, But I'm going to watch as much as I can, man, because every game is going to, like, matter a lot. And the, what you do in the first 30 games of the year are, like, fucking vital. Well, they
0: kind of... Well, well, I'll tell you what. They kind of just mitigated that. They
1: kind of did. Yeah, you're right. Now I can just kind of chill because I assume I mean, that... Because if,
0: you... Cause if your team's really good... I mean, okay, it's, like, more than half the league... There's 30 teams, right? Right, think, right. Yeah, 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 there's five... Yeah, yeah there's 30 teams, yeah. Six divisions of five. So it's like 16 there's you know more than half the league is making the playoffs so it's like all right if you get off to a a 17 and 4 start rich you're going to the playoffs you may not win the division but what are the odds you're going to fall back to where you don't have at least the eighth best record in the league so from that perspective adding all of these teams to the playoffs kind of cuts into the idea that every game is super important and super vital but what it does do is it keeps more teams alive? Right, the
1: entire season. You're saying I'm watching a playoff team. I'm watching a team that could win the World Series, as opposed to a lot of times in baseball after that first week when you're fucking four and fifteen, it's like ah, or you know, after the first month you're four and fifteen, it's like ah, my team sucks. We're not going anywhere. So. Right, but
0: if you're four and fifteen this year, you might only be six games back of that eighth spot. Right,
1: exactly, exactly. So, so
0: you, so you're still in, so it kind of it hurts the top, but it helps the bottom.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, so from from a from an interest standpoint, so I kind of. Is that a, is that a good trade off? I mean, you want to keep as many people as interested as deep into the season as possible, while also kind of bastardizing your playoffs. See, the thing is, it's such a weird season. I really don't care what they, if you if they would have told me all thirty teams are making the playoffs and the, <laughs> right every
1: and, every game is the playoffs. Uh, I would have said whatever. Right, who cares? Yeah, these like,
0: sixty these sixty games are seeding, and we're just doing a thirty. I wouldn't have cared about that either. It's just it's fucking weird, man. So. Um, you know it does. What it does help too are the good teams that get off the bad start. Like if you're the Dodgers and you get off to a eight and eleven start, you're not panicking. You know you have plenty of time to. You only got to finish top eight. You know it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I, be- I actually bet that like people are going to probably think that it's like the lower teams, the not good teams, that have kind of called for this. And I bet it was some of your big market teams that look at, like, yes. like, look, dude, no. we can't Like, the Dodgers and the Yankees, if they start out slow, they're fucked, and they're done. Like, usually those teams by war of attrition at the end of the year, 162, they'll find their way in the playoffs or whatever. But, like, this year, it's like, yeah, no, the Dodgers could miss the playoffs because they have a bad two weeks. Or, you know, Kershaw's hurt, or Mookie Betts misses, you know, gets COVID, and he has to miss, like, you know, two weeks or whatever. And that, that'll that fucking sink you. So I'm sure it's those big market teams that are saying, hey, no, we're paying, like, $150,000, a 1000000 million, you know, for these teams or whatever. We're paying $200 million payroll. Like no, we want to find a way to you know get into whatever this postseason is going to be. Whereas, like, yeah, your lower market teams are probably like, hey, fuck it, well, we could go to the you know the Marlins are might thinking, hey, maybe we'll get the playoffs this year. Who the hell knows? Whatever. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely you know would think that it's the the major market teams that are looking at that and going, Ugh, we need we need to find a way to make sure that we make the playoffs because you know it's so weird, it's such a strange year. My OCD is going to hate this, like going back and looking at this year.
0: Oh, like the old back well, of the baseball. Yeah, card. like
1: the numbers are going to be a mess. The records are going to be a mess. Like, oh, well, you it. had
0: you, know, you kind of, you got 1981 with the 81 games Yeah, season, that's right? true. Like that one kind of, but but that's so far in the rear view now that it's like. But every now and then you're looking at a baseball reference page and you'll be like, how did this guy lead the league in home? Oh, right, that yeah. was the game. That was the year they Why did this guy only
1: games? have six home runs? Oh, right, <laughs> yeah, he only played. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's just going to be a, a strange year. But
0: The Reds had the best record in baseball that year and didn't make the playoffs. <laughs>
1: oh, because they weren't like the first half winners or whatever? They didn't, they didn't
0: was... win either half, because yeah. remember, they split the season in two halves. Right, right, right. And I wonder what they would have done if a team would have won the division
1: in both halves. Yeah, I think there was a story about that, but I forget what it was. But yeah, it was kind of like, I think that team just like won or something. It was some weird thing where... The solution was terrible, if I remember correctly. And I was like, thank God that didn't happen. That would have been no good.
0: And yeah, they really lucked out with that, you know, where it worked out clean. And they had what became the first Division Series. That was mm-hmm. the first ever Division Series. And then it went away for like 15 years or whatever it was. So I think it came back in, what, 96 or somewhere in that neighborhood. But um, maybe a little later. But 95, anyway, I believe. 95. It's a lot
1: of this. baseball talk for people. This is a lot. Yeah, it's an exhausting yeah. amount of baseball talk. Look, we're excited. Can
0: we get a break? Can we get a exactly. break? Exactly. Right, game?
1: right. Okay. We, we haven't aye, talked aye. baseball. We were supposed to be talking baseball three months ago. We haven't been able to talk about it. We're talking about it now. So, yeah. That's what I mean, man. I, I think we're not alone as well. Like, uh, last baseball thing, like, looking at local sports. ratings, like, people are fucking dying for sports. And that's, again, to kind of circle back to the WWE discussion. Like, the, fl- I don't think we've seen the worst out of them because I am telling you. I'll be glad to be wrong, but dude, I am looking at fucking scrimmages on NBA TV and the ratings that they're getting. It's literally like guys fucking around in a court with no fans in Disney World, and the ratings are exploding. Yeah. The fucking White Sox are playing inter-squad games at their, and the ratings are ridiculously high. Like people are starving for sports.
0: Yeah, it's gonna hurt Wednesdays too for sure, especially oh. when the NBA playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's uh, you know that 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 Cubs White Sox. Fucking, you know, preseason game or whatever they're calling them. I mean, it, you, you know, didn't it do better numbers than all of the White Sox regular season games last year? Or something like that. It was it all the be-
1: all the best White Sox games over the last like ten years or something. Basically, it outrated all of them. did
0: not count, <laughs> right? You know, and and the White Sox and Cubs are going to play each other for real. What is it? Uh, six times or
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. six times. Right, one one in each. uh one I think home so. Home. Yeah, I think it's six. Yeah. Don't you play the other league six and you play your own? Whatever it is. I, mean, I forget. Playing, it,
1: dude, I don't understand the schedule at all, so I'm just going to kind of sit back and, and enjoy it.
0: So, I mean, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Wednesdays. are. There's going to be some Wednesdays with NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, a full slate of baseball games. I mean, what the fuck? You know, and, you know, if there's any college football on top of it. Yeah.
1: I'm so, going to have a tough time watching wrestling, to be honest.
0: Oh, let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited for sports. <laughs>
0: No, Reds games come first. That has always been the case. You know, wrestling takes a backseat to Reds. I mean, I watch every inning. I watch every inning live. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting that. And I'm, I'm fired up. I'm excited about tomorrow. I can't wait to get into it. But uh, what do we got next here? Impact Wrestling?
1: Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. That was Saturday. Uh, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. Pay-per-view. We have a, uh, a review up on the website as well. If you did not watch the show, we're talk about it here a bit. But Andrew Sinclair, I think, did a really, really good job, as he always does, um, with the uh, pay-per-view. Uh, review there, but um, a very eventful uh, Slammiversary show, and 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 Joe, dare I say, and I don't know your, I don't know your thoughts on Slammiversary, You and I have not talked about it yet. I'm, I'm not quite sure, uh, but dare I say, I thought this was a really good show. Not necessarily like a show of the year contender on that level, but I thought this was like the prototypical Rich Crate special, where like legit six out of the seven matches or whatever numbers there are there's one match that oh boy we'll talk about that one that definitely did not meet the criteria but I think every other match on the show at least got to some level of interest plus you add in all the debuts and the, and, and, and the resets and all that sort of stuff I thought this is a tremendous show like i I didn't feel like I wasted a second. Of my three hours. Well, <laughs> well, again, one match that I feel no, like no, no, I definitely no. wasted my time. <laughs> However long that match was. The 47 minutes of that one match that we'll talk about uh, definitely felt like I wasted my time. But for the most part, I should say, uh, I thought a, a two-thumbs-up pay-per-view from Impact. Really enjoyed it.
0: Uh, I mean, first of all, we have a rich history of great Impact reviewers. You ever stop and think about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, people don't give us enough credit for that.
0: I think, I, I mean, between Garrett Kidney obviously and andrew sinclair does a great job the Dylan hales era Dylan remember hales, that yeah oh yeah great impact reviews um and and you know there was people in between and i'm forgetting yeah but- well
1: chris Novembrino did a uh, an yeah. impact review podcast for a while that was That's fucking right, awesome yeah <laughs> it was so good
0: yeah and then he, they convert then he switched over to the lucha underground podcast and then uh, when that went away obviously he joined shake them ropes um which is still doing tremendous without that yeah, that dastardly Rob McCarron Yeah he?
1: he sunk that whole show
0: He pops in once a year to show his head But uh But yeah but uh yeah, we, we just have a really good history of impact reviewers And it's the only weekly TV show We do a written review for to this day Isn't that crazy who would have thought Eight years later Am I forgetting something and someone's going to be mad at me?
1: No, no. I mean, other, otherwise, That's weekly like TV, what? yeah, no one's watching Raw. <laughs> no one's reviewing Raw. I won't let them. I've had people say, hey, I'll review Raw. And I go, no, because <laughs> you're going to leave the website. <laughs> I don't want you to leave. Because the, the the body count for Raw reviews <laughs> is legendary. So I do not let people review Raw. Uh, yeah, nobody reviews SmackDown. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no, uh, the impact is it.
0: I feel like because the reviewers have been so good that was just always a sh- uh, a show that we have. Had written reviews for even when the show has been terrible, and obviously at periods of time in their history they've been doubt you know outright terrible. There was that one review where Garrett Kidney of all people got so upset that he stopped his review in the middle of the show. Remember that? (laughs) Yes. And it's like, I can't. Josh Matthews.
1: That's when Josh Matthews is doing like some heel commentator thing. Yeah. And he just said, "This is it. I hate this company. I'm I might never watch it again." And of course, he watched it again, like you know, a day later
0: or whatever. (laughs) Right, but he stopped the review dead in the middle. Yeah. And uh, and we put it up. I mean, you know, the way I saw it, he got frustrated and and to me, that was the, that was the review. I mean, the review was this show is so bad that the most dedicated impact fan on the planet, honestly, couldn't get through the show. And, um, that's why we posted it. But, uh, yeah, Andrew Sinclair does a great job too. He's on top of it. He knows the company inside and out. I mean, we just have always had good impact teams, but, um, yeah, slammiversary ruled. I really enjoyed the fuck out of this. And, um, you know i thought you know on the weekend you know uh, the last the last couple big shows from all the the companies this was the best one i thought this was better than dominion i thought it was better than new japan cup final i thought it was better than extreme rules um you know pound for pound bell to bell and you know the only match i did the only match i did not like was the gauntlet which was fucking horrendous and you know the worst match on any of these big shows over the last couple weekends but outside of the gauntlet, I thought everything was solid as fuck. Knocking on the door of the of the of the notebook for just about every
1: match. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a show that I think, and uh, uh, I'm firing up my uh, ratings right now. I think I went like three and a half to four stars on literally everything on this show except for the gauntlet. Like, I just kept, it was kind of a joke to me. I'm like, eh, eh, three and a half stars. Like, it was just everything was solid. Like, nothing. I don't, I wouldn't say any match was spectacular. I don't know if any match is like, oh my God, go out of your way to check this out. But when you talk about a top to bottom turn on the TV and just enjoy the show, just turn it on and, and, and watch it for three hours, save for one match, I think everything else was like perfectly acceptable, perfectly good, well booked, well worked interesting pro wrestling and, and, th- and that's very difficult to ask for especially in the empty arena era uh that you're gonna get that but yeah i thought really a tremendous show like I, again it seems weird to call it like a show of the year contender because there wasn't like any spectacular what, what i would consider you know top top tier spectacular type matches but when you put it in totality like yeah I, I love a show i'll take a show like this over a show that has two really great matches and a bunch of shit i'll take a, ma- a show that's got six out of seven matches are all solid as fuck which is what we had this, we,
0: we used to call this the crate special yeah where every match is solid, right? You may not get, uh, you know, uh, there may not be a match of the year contender, and there's not. This reminds me of those some of those old Dragon Gate shows that used to air on Ustream. And they would all just up and down, you know, they'd be all three and a quarter, three and a half star matches. And those, we used to call them the crate specials back in those days, because uh, you would always go on and on about how that, that's your preferred show. You'd rather have that than a show that might have a match of the year contender or two, and then a bunch of other shit, or stuff that's forgettable, it's much better to just have a straight, enjoyable three hours of a bunch of stuff that's, that's just super solid.
1: Uh, yeah, I so, agree. that's what this. was. Yeah, let's talk about the show. We'll start at the beginning, I think, and then we'll kind of work. We'll kind of work the new additions and the debuts and all that sort of stuff uh, as we go because I think that's an important part of this. And, and we'll talk about Impact uh, this week a little yeah. bit uh, as well because it was another huge episode of them kind of resetting the company. Watch, and did you watch
0: Impact? Rich?
1: I saw most of it. I didn't see all of it, but I saw most of it. So
0: how about that? Creach is watching Impact for like the last three weeks. It's a, it a good
1: show, awesome. man. I I I, I, I don't it, know if I talked about it on the show last week. I, I forget, but it's like. It's a solid wrestling show, you know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. It's maybe at times boring, but even its boringness is, like, fine. You know what I mean? It's, like, completely... It it, it doesn't... I I don't know the right way to do it. Like, I'm not ashamed to watch it. I don't feel like I wasted time. Everything's solid. Everything makes sense. Everything feels like it's building in a direction. Yeah, there's some stuff I don't love, but I don't know. Like, all of it, all in all, I think Impact's a really, really good television show right now. I have a
0: friend who... I trust a lot because we share a lot of uh, similar tastes in wrestling and you know I try to watch everything but you just can't watch everything so he's my guy he will text me and he will he will say blow off impact this week or make sure you watch MLW or you know like all these shows that might not be in my regular rotation he's the one who guides me and I can tell you that for like the past six weeks he's been saying watch impact it was yeah. pretty good mm-hmm. So, and, and he's usually my barometer. So I've been watching it too. I watched the run-up. I always watch the run-up to the pay-per-views. I think that's important. Um, if I'm not regularly watching a show, I will watch the run-up to the pay-per-views and I will watch the show after the pay-per-view, which is why I watch Raw this week. Um, but yeah, this week's Impact was, yeah, a really solid, like you're saying, I don't feel like I wasted my two hours at all when I watched Impact this week enjoyable the commercial breaks on impact are like 17 minutes long am i the only one that notices oh that? yeah
1: they're really strange long they're like
0: the commercials too it's like it's holly robinson pete and rodney pete pushing like a weight loss supplement for 17 minutes that's like every commercial break on impact it's just the weirdest shit um i know all about rodney pete's weight loss program i lost 17 pounds
1: <laughs> i <I've> never <boy. laughs> yeah, i usually skip through it, it really quickly but it's like
0: it's like, you know, and they play that commercial like every other break. But they have the weirdest commercial breaks. But anyway, yeah, you, let's.
1: Uh, they send us. They send us a screener that doesn't have the commercials on it.
0: You oh no! Yeah, watch I know, that version. I, 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 <laughs> that's a good point. I know that you and Sinclair, you guys watched the screener, right?
1: We do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I, I, I know it's there, but I always, it's just a habit. I watch the DVR because I watch this shit in the middle of the night, and I just. I watched it on the DVR, but that's a good point. The screener, how long are they on the screener? They're like, literally uh, 10 seconds, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, how long are the impact shows on oh, the Oh,
1: um, probably like, like an 7, hour and – yeah, they're or... like an hour and 10, hour and 15, I think, usually. Yeah. They come in right around there, maybe hour 20 or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always forget that they said – that's a good point. But the thing is that I have to watch it on the laptop. I I struggle with wrestling on my laptop. How are you with the laptop? Uh, Hit or
1: miss. I like to put it on the big TV.
0: I pay attention more if it's on the TV.
1: If it's on the laptop, I'm I'm fucking around on my phone. I'm doing something else. I click another window. It's in the back window. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's never. That's what
0: kills it for me because, okay, the phone is always a distraction. But the thing about it is if I'm watching wrestling on my laptop, I am too tempted to click another window during a down moment. And then I stay on that window, and then I'm like, oh, shit, I missed half this match. I cannot pay attention on the laptop. I have su- such an easier time. What the fuck? I got to Why do I have a gigantic fucking 70-inch TV in my living room if I'm not going to use it? Right. It's just easier to pay attention in the uh, on the TV. I don't know. Um, is that a boomer thing? Are we old? Uh, we're
1: probably old, but that's fine. People huddle over their phones and watch stuff all the time, too. So that's... I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a couch TV guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm definitely. Fuck that way. Yeah. yeah!
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, It's this pay per view. You want to? Yeah, let's uh, let's go
1: ahead. So we'll talk about the opener here because this actually is our first of the uh, the kind of re debuts or or appearances or whatever. As the Motor City Machine Guns re debut in the company, uh, of course, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, uh, they come back and they f- they they were as we predicted the guest opponents for the Rascals, which is as the right you call.
0: Predicted. As you Well, I guess, I
1: guess. Well, you kind of agreed as well that that would probably be the right call. As well I, think everyone good kinda, brothers. I think everyone, everyone kind of knew. Right? Yeah, I'd love to take credit for that, but I don't think I can take credit for that one. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, no, the Motor City Machine Guns come back. They defeat the Rascals, which again, I did see some people saying like, ah, I don't know. But it's like, dude, it's a Motor City Machine Guns. Like, I have no issues with that.
0: Who the hell was against that?
1: Well, I just mean people saying that like, oh, you know, the young guys get lost. But it's Wentz and oh, Xavier. They're on. fine. It's they the Motor lost. City Machine Guns. Like, yeah, I, I, I have no time for that
0: come on are Shelly and Sabin 60 I mean what's the problem here they're a hot act coming back to the company and and these aren't even the two rascals that they're pushing they're pushing the other guy it was right good, exactly
1: yeah Trey is right. the guy getting pushed to the bigger extent so yeah they can't you got to have those guys are okay if they lose a few times here and there not a big deal that's so. not
0: gonna give me a break that's the perfect team that can have a good match with them and also eat a loss so whoever was making that argument you know, they're, they're an absolute dope. This yeah, and I,
1: I like this match a lot. I, I went just under four stars. I went three and, and, and three quarters. No argument if somebody went four stars. Shelley and Saban are just like, dude, Shelly hasn't been wrestling in a year or whatever. Saban's, you know, here and there sometimes. These guys are fucking perfect. <laughs> again. You know, they come out of the gates. And it's like 2007 again. They're just all over the place, bouncing back and forth. Timing's perfect. The Rascals are great. Like, what a, what a tremendous opener this was.
0: It's like these guys wrestled Apollo 55, like, last week. You know, and those matches were like 2009 or something. You know, they're, they're, they haven't teamed in forever. You know, Saban hasn't wrestled, period, in forever. He's coming off a, a major injury. These guys are like 40 years old. I just I just put them over for not being old. But they're like 40 years old, right, or, or, or around that age, late 30s. And it's like their chemistry and their work was like they were teaming last week. Like they were wrestling Apollo 55 in Japan last year. It's so good. They didn't lose a step they had no chemistry issues. So yeah, this, this was so much fun to watch. And then they won the tag team titles on the, on, on Tuesday night, a couple days later and ended the long run of the North, which again, I didn't have a problem with, and that was a, a a pretty good match too. Um, but I feel like they're a hot act and, and I feel like with the fresh coat of paint that the company has right now, it wasn't the worst call. The North held those titles over a year and had a great run, you know, but I think this was uh, the right team and the right call to beat them. This is a better call than doing it with the good brothers I think
1: absolutely um, yeah yeah because because you, you're guaranteed with those guys you're gonna get great matches and and that's you know that's always been those guys hooks and even in the old days of TNA or whatever that was always the guys hooks. and 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 they're just like they even though they are a quote old team they feel very fresh they feel very new and they feel, in some ways, a positive of the history of Impact and the history of TNA yes. or whatever. Nobody reflects poorly on the Motor City Machine Guns. Nobody goes, oh my god, those guys. Oh, you brought back those guys. I mean, everybody kind of understands that those guys ruled. They were great. Maybe they didn't get enough credit for what they did. And now they can come back again and have another run with the titles. And then you see, it's not like they lost anything in, in, in transit either. It's not like, oh, they're giving those guys the titles even though they don't deserve it. You watch these matches you know, against the Rascals in the North. It's like, hey, these guys are fucking great. They're tremendous pro wrestlers, of course. No problem with them winning the titles. They're
0: instantly one of the best tag teams in the world already, and they've had two matches back. Yeah, that's how good they—that's how good they've looked. So yeah, uh, very much into this, and and a, and a big part of sort of this uh, fresh coat of paint we're going to keep talking about. I'm going to say fresh coat of paint. Yeah, get
1: ready for that. We're going to say Everyone's reset gonna, and fresh coat of paint a lot of times, but they did. It was both of those for sure. Everyone, um,
0: there's going to be a subtweet from you know who saying stop saying fresh coat of paint <laughs> sometime this week. You know, you know it right. Stop saying Fresh Coat of Paint, but I'm going to keep saying Fresh Coat of Paint.
1: Uh, TNA World Heavyweight Championship. uh, Moose defending uh, the title against Tommy Dreamer in an old-school rules match. Uh, Moose gets the win here. Just a solid... Not great pro wrestling match, but a solid bell-to-bell pro wrestling match. Tommy Dreamer making Moose look like a, a, as good as he could possibly make Moose look. I thought Moose was okay in this match. It's not a tremendous match. It's not a match you need to go out of your way to see, but I thought it was solid enough. I went about, uh, I think I was two and three quarters on this one, just under three stars, but yeah, a solid match, and they didn't overstay their welcome either, which was good. I
0: didn't have any problem with it. I saw people saying that this was like an abomination, and it's a horrible match. Nah. I didn't think this was a horrible match. This was just a match. This was exactly what I thought it was going to be, and um, you know, I'll never think about it again, but it was fine. It was totally inoffensive, and honestly, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I – you know, it was it was a 2020 Tommy Dreamer match. What would you think you were getting?
1: Right, he's going to talk know? you in the building, and then when the so, bell rings, it's like you, you got enough there for him. But, yeah, I think he did a good job of making Moose look look solid, and that, that's the, – the goal was to make Moose look like a killer, and, and, and yeah. I think Dreamer did a good job.
0: It could have been a lot worse, and Moose did some nice moonsaults and shit. I, I, it wasn't that bad.
1: Okay. <laughs> this match just ended ten minutes ago, Joe. Gauntlet for the gold to determine the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship. We had Kylie Ray, Taya Valkyrie, Alicia Edwards, Havoc, Kira Hogan, Katie Forbes, Kimberly, Navea, which is heaven spelled backwards by the way, Madison Rain, Rosemary, Susie, Tasha Steels, and then Johnny Bravo, who entered twice. Because it's impossible for any any pro wrestling company to not have a man dressed as a woman at some point in a multi, like if it's a rumble, if it's a women's, something you gotta have a dude dressed as a woman. And they decided to do it twice in one show as Johnny Bravo came out both as Ty Valkyrie and as Rosemary. This, uh, Joe, not too good. Hi. 19 minutes and 20 seconds. I can't believe it was only 19 minutes. That's gotta be a lie. Wikipedia has to be wrong. Easily seventy-seven minutes of my life wasted on this this match. So
0: I'm gonna bury the fuck out of this. But first, I'm looking at this. I don't think they're doing the gimmick where the division winners pick their opponent. It says first round will be four three-game series played at the higher seeds' home stadium. Okay. And then rest of the rounds will be normal length five-game series, LDS seven-game series in in World Series. Okay. So I that's guess that's a they little scra- better. Yeah,
1: that's a little better than you know the I Yankees they... <laughs> laughing at the Mariners as they select them to you know.
0: I think they scrapped that because that was the plan. But it says first round, basically the wild card round, is now four three game series, all played at the higher seeds' home stadium. Mm, okay. Now home field, home stadium doesn't mean anything except batting last because there's no fans, obviously. Um, but you do get the bat last. So, and then after that, it's just regular playoffs. Because then at that point, you just have right, your right. LDS. Oh, okay, I'm actually. I like that better. Yeah, I like that a lot better. I'm more optimistic yeah I mean I did the only thing I didn't like was picking your opponent I think that's that's Bush league but since they're not doing that yeah all right this is pr- this is kind of cool yeah I don't mind it three game series that's dangerous for these division winners but uh anyway uh the impact what are we talking about gauntlet, the gauntlet? for the gold
1: yeah gauntlet for the gold knockouts <laughs> <Okay>. rumble thing
0: <laughs> so who thinks the man dressed as a woman is funny? Now, when I, ask, <laughs> when I ask you that question, I'm asking in all sincerity, and I want to know is there a circle of fans that we just aren't privy to who are posting gifs of John E. Bravo dressed as Ty of Valkyrie getting thrown out of the match, and they're like laughing and they think it's funny and it's getting a lot of likes? Does it does it even exist? Are there I, yeah,
1: I wonder. Like the Santina, like in the Rumble, it's like, oh my god, it's Santino dressed as a woman. Oh my god, I, yeah, I've never met that person, but maybe I don't know, maybe on Reddit or something. But yeah, not uh, not anybody that I I know, thankfully.
0: Let Let's put the transphobic elements aside, because that it's like from the, from the first time we saw Santina to now, society has changed, right for the better. And it's like, we consider that stuff transphobic yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. crap and it's crass. And for those reasons alone, you don't really want to do like the Santino thing. This, you know, was more of Valkyrie trying to avoid entering the match early. So she sent her minion in there dressed as her. That was the gag. Yeah, which I but didn't mind. Like, I didn't
1: mind the first time he came out. It made all the sense in the world, and it was it was Taya sort of having this guy on her, you know. It, it, she's got the power in this quote-unquote relationship or whatever. Bravo just does she whatever she – yeah, she bullies him. And she said, yeah, just go out there instead of me. Perfect. Thank you. So I didn't, see, I no, didn't hate that one as much.
0: See, I did, and I still think it's stupid. But what I want to know is who thinks it's funny? Like, is there – are there – because it's supposed to get laughs. Right. Who thinks, like, who is laughing at it? Like, who was watching that pay-per-view, like, slapping their knee, having a hearty laugh at it? Because it's just not funny. And I don't even think this is a no-fun Lanza situation because there's some things that are no-fun Lanza where I understand why other people might find it amusing, right? Like Breeze Dango, who I pick on every Thursday on the Thursday TV reviews because I hate it.
1: I but think we're past think the point brains- of anybody. There's nobody that could laugh at them coming out as Mounties, right? Ah, We've got to be past maybe, that point. We have to maybe, be past that point.
0: Then maybe they're a bad example, but there's got to be examples of stuff that I don't think is funny. Like DDT comedy. There, is that a good one?
1: Yeah, yeah, because you you are you are definitely no fun lands on those, and, and I think they're like, pretty funny. The, but
0: The Inflatable Panda and all that bullshit. Like, I don't think it's funny. I think it's stupid. I don't want to waste my time on it but I understand why other people find it funny. This gimmick with men dressed as women in battle Royals. I genuinely don't understand why any human being would think this is funny. Unless you're like eight years old, maybe a child would think it's funny. Like I'm asking in all sincerity. Who's laughing at this? Why do they think adults are going to enjoy this? It's very bad, but rich outside of the Johnny Bravo spots, then he came out dressed as Rosemary. The match was still an abomination. It was horrendous. Just a terrible excuse for a gauntlet style battle royal. Easily the worst thing on the show. And uh are you still there by the way? I am,
1: yeah. I'm just I'm just
0: nervous when I because of last week I'm Yeah, last
1: off. week had some issues. I am I am still here, yes, don't worry.
0: And if I had to rate this, it'd be a absolute you know, an easy dud, maybe negative stars.
1: Yeah, just nothing good. Everything was clunky. Katie Forbes is, is legitimately one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we know why she's there, but it's just like, dear God, she's horrendous. It, it, nobody was good. Nobody knew what was going on. Everybody was bumping into each other. It's like they had no plan. Nobody I, – I don't know what the hell the plan was here or what this was, but nothing – there's literally nothing of this match. 19 minutes and 20 seconds, there's not one redeemable factor of this entire thing. Kylie Ray won, by the way, so there you go. She's a number one contender. Yeah,
0: and it's like that's how Kylie Ray, someone who they're pushing, gets their big push off to a terrible start, um, you know, in in this horrendous match. But this was the low point of the show and really the only thing on the show that wasn't good.
1: Yeah, for sure. So let's quickly we can move away from that uh, and go to a match that I really enjoyed. Impact X Division Championship match. Willie Mack defending the title against Chris Bay. Chris Bay wins the title. Uh, His big moment. He's been an Impact fan like his entire life. So it's a really cool kind of connection. Uh, there but uh, I thought this was a tremendous match these guys going back and forth a lot again not a match of the year level not like an incredible incredible match but like a nice solid 10 minute well told story match where guys you know they went out there and they busted their ass and 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 Chris Bay who realizes this probably the biggest you know moment of his you know early career is his his young career whatever goes out there and just works his ass off and, and gets the win here but I thought Willie Mack was just as good really really good stuff from both these guys
0: I think Willie Max, the Impact fan, the lifelong.
1: Impact no, no, fan. Chris Bay was too. People had a uh, people had a, uh, a video that they were tweeting out of him unboxing. He he bought an Impact like custom belt when he was like twelve years old or whatever. It's actually an X Division title. Have you oh, did you see, have you seen this? It's it's really cool. No, I didn't. See, and so it's like Chris Bay. It. He's like twelve or thirteen, but like he's. You know he's very young, so it's like on YouTube or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, 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 like yeah. that generation has like their moments on YouTube. Like when I was twelve, it was fucking nothing. Thank God, <laughs> you know, it wasn't on anything.
0: No, you had a you had an eighteen pound camcorder on your father. Right,
1: show. right, exactly. Yeah, I had like a, I I remember I recorded a uh, Survivor Series reaction show on like a cassette deck. Like the Montreal no. Screwjob. I wish I had Are it. You serious? Yeah, it's Where pretty great. It? I have no idea. I have no. Cl- I'm sure I'm taped over it or whatever, but I'll, it'd no, be great to listen to. A- because I don't you know anything, like that. I'm still not, I'm not smart, so I'm like, yeah, Bret Hart got really upset <laughs> about something, like I don't know what's wrong with Bret Hart
0: how did, like, how, Hold on, how did I never notice, you gotta upload that
1: Yeah, I, I wish I, I, I'll have to check my parents house next time I go over to see if I have that, but I would do that That's for a while, kind of- I did a lot of pay-per-view stuff, so maybe, maybe I have a few of them So Wait,
0: so you recorded yourself on a camcorder
1: No, they were like, so it was like a tape deck that had a recorder on it
0: Oh, this is audio
1: Yeah, so it's cassette, it's, a, it's just a cassette
0: I need to hear these. Yeah, I,
1: I'd be interested. To hear I what they
0: sound like. need to hear these.
1: I'm sure I recorded like the top 40 hits of the time over it, but maybe not. We'll, we'll I'll have to see if I can find one. No, one I one.
0: need to hear your takes on Midian. <laughs> right? Naked
1: Midian and stuff. I do remember yeah. vividly, though, my Survivor Series being like, man, I don't. Bret Hart was really upset about the loss. <laughs> like, he's breaking stuff. Like, no idea about the screw job. No idea. I was like, the finish was really weird and, you know. Bret Hart wasn't on Raw the next night, so I don't know what's going on. I'm like very confused at what's going on. Here, but... Yeah, but, <laughs> good uh, stuff. Getting but, hot yeah, takes we're... from the from day one though. From from day one of the fandom, getting those hot takes. They, but
0: don't they push Willie Mack as a lifelong impact? They do. Dancer?
1: Yeah, yeah. I told you like when they were talking cool. about uh, Ultimate X. They asked all the wrestlers, they asked like, you know, Trey and the Rascals, Do you know the Ultimate X rules? And they're like, No, I don't know the Ultimate Or the King of the Mountain. It was the King of the Mountain. It was during their like uh a hard to kill pay-per-view or whatever, and they're like, King of the Mountain, no, I don't know what the fuck. And they're describing the King of the Mountain. And then they asked Willie Mack, Hey Willie, do you know the King of the Mountain rules? And he's like, Yeah. So what happens is you're in the penalty box and he gets a perfect. Like he fucking nails it. And they're like, How'd you know that? And he's like, I just i watched Impact all the time. Like, I love Impact. So it was kind yeah. of like a weird, like kind of half burial where most of the roster is like, ah, I don't know anything about this. But uh they did fi- – I'll have to find the video for you. Chris Bay is unboxing an Impact – or a TNA X Division Championship. And he's like, whoa, look at it. It's like an authentic – and it's just like, yeah, it's like a 12-year-old kid who's, you know, collecting title belts, talking about this X Division title belt that he he just bought. And it's really cool. It's a nice little connection there. I'll see if I can find it, so.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Chris Bay, I mean, you know, he's a guy who, you know, the first time I saw him a few years ago, I think he's a West Coast guy, right? Um, a West Coast indie guy. He's from, no, oh, I think this says he's from Virginia. Didn't he break through um, with some of those West Coast groups? Like, uh, I want to say he's wrestled for, uh, for like APW and places like that out in California. Because um, that was my first exposure to him. And, you know, it's very obvious that he's super talented. I, I know AEW was interested in him for a while, but impact swooped in and got him, which I think it's healthy when promotions like impact and MLW manage to get some of these guys like MLW just said, you know, they're saying they re-signed, um, uh, Fatu, you know, to so a five-year deal, which, I, which, you know, I think is good. I mean, who knows how much that deal, you know, it's an MLW deal. So who knows how much, <laughs> but you know, I think it's, uh, why is, why am I, Why am I forgetting his name? They're the the uh their champion.
1: Um, MLW's champion.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas kid.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's his fucking name? (laughs) I'm blanking on it
0: too. You can't blank when I blank. Uh, Jacob
1: Fatu. Jacob Fatu.
0: Jacob Fatu. I got it right. Yeah, so it's like you know, Impact gets Chris Bay, and MLW seems to have uh you know locked in on on uh, on Jacob Fatu. I think that's good for the scene. I don't think it's good that WWE and AEW hoard everyone. You know, we saw what happened when WWE hoarded everybody over the last few. It's not good for anyone. But, yeah, Chris Bay looked great here. And then I don't know if you saw the next night on Impact or two nights later on Impact, three nights later on Impact, he beat Willie Mack again.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a perfect way to book.
0: Yeah. And it was definitive. And the announcers, the commentators put over that they even put over the idea that he's putting Willie Mack in his rear view. None of this trading wins and bullshit finishes. No, he beat him clean twice. And he's the new, new X-Division champion, and he's moving on to whatever he's going to move on to. But the thing about it is, Willie Mack put out a really weird, cryptic tweet. Did you see that?
1: I did, yeah. I, kinda, I was wondering if I, – I thought that at Slammiversary, too, when, when he lost. I was like, ah, it kind of seems like that's the end of Willie Mack in, in, in Impact. And uh, those didn't really change my mind either, though. No,
0: he put out a tweet basically saying it was strongly worded that he – it made it seem like he's moving on. Which is a shame because he's great. I thought he was—he was so good at Slammiversary, and he's always good. But I thought he was even better than usual at Slammiversary, Mac in particular, you know. But uh, Chris Bay, man, he could be part of Impact's future. You know, he, he's part of this fresh coat of paint, Rich, that they're putting on the company, and um, you know, he—he—he's uh, got a ton of potential.
1: Uh, So then we have uh, other matches here. The North, uh, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, of course, we we mentioned that on uh, Impact, they lost the titles here. They successfully defended them against Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan, a team that you cannot believe is an actual team in 2020. And I thought you had a tweet that nailed exactly what I wanted to say when I was watching this match. It's perfect. That the North works... How the revival or FTR or whatever FTR and the revival are oh we're lo- you know we're old school southern style wrestling we're- and they talk a big game but they don't fucking work that way they say they work that way they don't work that way the north works that way every little edge that they can get every little it felt like I was watching you know 1980s you know NWA tag team wrestling with the north here on this night they were every little cheating move they can do every little thing every little you know fake tag every little corner thing they can do any little ref distraction like cut off the ring all that sort of stuff was like boom 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 because these are not like Ethan Page especially is not a guy who's going to blow you away in the ring Josh Alexander can but Ethan Page knows what he's good at and and utilizes that well and I thought this was one of the best matches the North have had as tag team champions because it was just like they they're in there with Ken Shamrock and Sam McAllenhan and they controlled that match man they made that match their match and they dominated everything and they made it look, it was just a perfect Southern style match. And I thought you hit the nail on the head there by saying they work how the Revival says that they work. Even though Revival doesn't, you know, they're not about, they say it all. They talk a big game, but they actually don't change their style in any way, shape, or form. They're basically just another tag team on, on the scene or whatever. Whereas the Northman, it, it, it was such a throwback on this match. I thought this was really, really good.
0: Yeah, they, um, yeah, they, it's like the Revival used to work like that, but they haven't in AEW. They have totally conformed to the AEW house style, which is a house style that I don't even dislike, but it's not what the revival said that they were going to do when they got there. They said they were going to bring their style of tag team wrestling and force teams to work their way. And we see a dichotomy of style. And it hasn't been that they've totally conformed. And the North are, have been what FTR claims to be. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, shamrock and Callahan as predicted, didn't really get along towards the end of the match. But not in like an overbearing annoying way. It was more like Shamrock rolling his eyes at Callahan. Like what the fuck are you doing man? So their unlikely pairing didn't work out. But they're going in a different direction with the tag team titles anyway. With Motor City Machine Guns. And um, you know maybe they'll be in a longer feud with the North. I can't imagine the North wouldn't get another shot. The titles after holding them so long. So maybe those two teams will have a long feud. Which I won't mind at all. Their match on impact wasn't great but it was good. The title change.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I liked it. Yeah, they're they're usually like I, I for whatever reason you're, and. You know the North. I love the North because they—they're like the floor. With the North is is fantastic. Like they never have like what I would consider a truly bad match. But at the same time, they never really have matches that I consider like oh my god, you got to go out of your way to check out this match. But they've been solid as fuck. And the Slamiversary match I thought was maybe their best match that they've had as a tag team because it's just like the way that they're working, the style, like you said, the perfect—you know, just perfectly just being heels. <laughs> and it just oh man, it was it's so nice to see that that still you know in some way, shape, or form does exist. Uh, in pro you, know, you
0: know people might not remember But they go back a decade to when they were Monster Mafia mm-hmm. This has been a tag team in your neck of the woods For a long time didn't they work a lot of Chicago Oh area yeah yeah
1: AW, um Yeah all the time Dreamwave yeah everywhere
0: You know I think even ROH briefly and Yeah and,
1: oh yeah so I'm an ROH for sure
0: So you know th- This is not just a team that came you know this is just A name change and sort of a, a Slight gimmick change to where you know the whole c- Proud Canadian kind of deal that they Do but Um, you know, they've been teaming a long time, probably uh, about a decade at this point, so they got a lot of continuity together, and it's good to see Josh Alexander back, of course, after it looked like his career might be over. And you're right about Ethan Page. You know, when when he's in the right scenario, he can be very good, and this tag team is just perfect for him. You know, it's... There's other times where he kind of loses the plot, and I've got my issues with him that, you know, this isn't the right show for, um, because we don't really have the time, but this tag team is perfect for him, and and uh, and, uh, and 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 Impact has a nice tag team situation now, adding Motor City Machine Guns and the Good Brothers to the mix.
1: Absolutely, I'll move on now to the Impact Knockouts Championship match here. Uh, Diana Perazu defeats Jordan Grace uh, to win the title. I thought a really, really good – great finish. I would say the finish itself was awesome because they didn't get too cute with it. Peraza just put her in the submission, locked it in, locked it in, and, and Jordan Grace didn't sit in the submission for a bunch. She didn't get to the ropes, and they went back to it. She just tapped out. She realized, I'm fucked. I'm done. Taps out. Gives up, but I thought really good work by both uh, both women. A lot of good back and forth, and and I was surprised they kept my attention all fifteen minutes. And I thought, yeah, I, I definitely a thumbs up match here, and and, and definitely worthy of being the Simon main event because the build has been really really good for it too. Uh, even with you know having to do some Zoom calls and some Zoom build or whatever, they did a good job at that. Even though they did like a you know stereotypical like contract signing, they they put a different twist on a lot of the you know the tropey stories. Uh, that were told, but I think it's it's a nice, simple story. Jordan Grace is the incumbent champion. Diana Parraza is the hot new, you know, she jumps into the company and says, I want that title right away, and then she proves it right away. You know, proves it right off the bat by submission, no nonsense, no frills, and, and yeah, they didn't overthink this. They just went with the what I thought was the right call with Diana Parraza winning it, so.
0: Yeah, they uh, put a lot of effort into the build, and this match, this was the match of the night on a show with a lot of really good matches, so that's not even faint praise. Look, th- this was stiff. This was nasty. This was aggressive. The work was was solid as fuck. And this was fought like a championship match where there was a grudge. And there was there was a there was a grudge coming into this and they wrestled it that way. You know? Um, you know, so they wrestled to the story and then basically beat the living shit out of each other for 15 minutes. You know, this was this was a this was a this was a uh, this was a great Championship match, notebook material, and, um, and and I really liked it. So uh, this is, you know, Diana Peraza. You know, uh, we've had our jokes, and and um, you know, she she showed some guts and wanted to leave WWE and wanted to prove herself. And this is a great start.
1: Absolutely. You yeah, know? I was. I, a great I'm start.
0: I really encouraged. Where it's yeah,
1: yeah, really encouraged by what I saw with her and and her character is solid. She gets her character. She understands it. It's no nonsense. It's no frills. And then, like I said, yeah, to, to to just do the submission in the middle of the ring and not get too cute with it, she locks it in. It's like kind of a double arm lock or whatever. Jordan Grace has nowhere to go. They didn't fight it. They didn't wait a bunch. She just rears back, and Jordan Grace just said, I'm out. I tap out. It was it was solid. And like you said, stiff as fuck, like especially in an empty arena. You could hear it. I mean, they worked harder. They, I mean, like they worked more stiff and more hard than like anybody else on the show, and that's concluding, you know, fucking Ken Shamrock and Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Like they were laying it in on this match, man. God, it was it was really really good. Yeah, a match that a very not not what you're going to see even on WWE. I think it was more way more stiff than any women's match you'll see ever in WWE.
0: No, there. Look, listen, WWE had has had some good women's matches lately, even if I haven't loved the finishes or have flat out hated the finishes. But a different style. I mean, yeah. this was a different style of match. This was this was almost like grapple fuck, almost in a lot of ways. You know, this was um, it's just intense and. It, you know, you, you bought that these people didn't like each other, mm-hmm. and that this was that there were stakes involved. You know, and and yeah, I, I enjoyed the shit out of this. I, I thought it was the match of the night. Uh
1: right, then we'll go to our main event here. It's a five way elimination match for the vacant Impact World Championship, and this had a lot of twists and turns on it. So we knew Eddie Edwards, we knew Ace Austin, we knew Trey, we did know the fourth man. The fourth man comes out, and it's Rich Swan, who we saw earlier in the day. He's got crutches, but no, he doesn't. He's fine. He's going to join the match. And uh, it was a little bit of a letdown because you're thinking, oh, geez, like I thought they are going to have some sort of surprise here or whatever. But then it comes out that, no, 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 they do have a surprise. It is Eric Young who returns uh, to Impact Wrestling and is the fifth man. So he adds himself to this match. A little clunky. I didn't really love how they got there. It was a little like, all right, I guess Eric. Especially because earlier in the night, you know, Heath Slater, who we forgot to mention, runs in the ring, cuts a promo about, I'm here, I'm Heath, you know, I'm taking over or whatever, and they do a backstage thing where Scott DeMoore is like, hey, you can't be here, not an employee or whatever, so he gets out of here, but then Eric Young just, like, adds himself to the, you know, five-way match at the end, even though it was only supposed to be a a four-way match. Uh, A little clunky, the storyline there, but, um, yeah, I don't know. All in all, uh, the match itself, I I, I liked Frazzo and, and Grace a lot more than this match. I thought this was Good, but there was a lot of two guys in the ring while whoever was eliminated or whoever hadn't been eliminated was outside of the ring. To one point where I thought... Like, I really honestly thought that, like, Ace Austin had been eliminated and then realized, oh, no, he's not eliminated. He just has been sitting outside the ring for 10 minutes while Trey and Eddie Edwards or Trey and Rich Swan have a match or whatever. So uh, that part kind of annoyed me a little bit as it seemed like a lot of your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn uh, type stuff. And I didn't love the inclusion of Eric Young, but, I mean, all in all, Eddie Edwards wins the match, wins the uh, the vacant world championship. I think the right call for Eddie Edwards. And, and all told, I thought a, r- a pretty good match, but just, like, I had a little bit higher expectations going in than what I, you know we really got.
0: Sounds like I liked it more than you. I thought it was uh, a really good, especially for you know a big multi-man thing. I like the inclusion of Eric Young because I think, see, Eric Young is. It's kind of like we talked about last week. If this would have been, oh my God, it's Matt Cardona or it's Heath, those guys are just jobbers from another company, and even though Eric Young was a jobber in that company, in Impact he's he has he he has a history so i don't have a problem with bringing in eric young and putting him right at the top of the card because he's a former impact world champion and he had a critically acclaimed run with the impact world title he did some of the best work of his career uh during that time and he's an impact guy he doesn't have that wwe stink because i still associate eric young with Impact.
1: yeah i kind of forget i legit there was many times in the last year that I completely forgot that he was a part of that roster. I remember one time he came out. I'm like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's Eric Young." Like, yeah, it, it was not yeah. a good, not a good run for him there, so.
0: So, yeah, so I really didn't mind his inclusion and I don't mind him going right to the top because in that universe, in the Impact Canon, he is a top guy. And he's a guy who was there forever, so That I didn't mind. Yeah, I guess –
1: well, I guess you could tell the story that they wanted him back and they didn't want Heath. Heath just kind of found his way in there and they have no connection to Heath, whereas Eric Young called and said, hey, I'm available. And they said, oh, great, come.
0: Right, and the whole Heath thing is – his whole storyline is, what are you doing here? You're not – you don't work for us. And him trying to backdoor his way in. They even followed up on that on on Impact on the TV. Right, right, right. You know, so that's kind of his deal where – with Eric Young, it's like, oh, Eric Young is back. He's a former Impact, World right? Like, champion. of course
1: he's we're going with... to bring Eric Young back. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I, I guess I don't hate it nearly as much now. So,
0: and his work was really good too. And he's always been underrated as a wrestler. But um, it's like he didn't miss a step either. You know, working once a month in WWE, and he's not a spring chicken. He's got to no, be forty no, years no. old. And
1: and I don't want I don't and, want this to be that show because we're we're kind of running out of time. We still have to talk about New Japan. But uh, did you read his interviews uh, that he had as yes. well? It's yet another example of all these people that think, oh, these guys, they have no, you know, they're not, you know, they, they, they feel like they should all be the world champion, all main event WrestleMania. And none of the guys say that it's all the same thing. It's never Eric Young saying, yeah, I should have beat, you know, Roman Reigns and, and won that it's him just being like, I just wanted like a little bit of input into what I did. I just wanted to enjoy wrestling again. I just wanted oh, yeah. to feel like I belonged. I just want to feel like I, I meant something to them. I didn't want a main event WrestleMania. I knew I didn't belong. I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to have some insights and it's like they, they crush the spirit. Same with the, same with, thing with Moxley. It's like they just yeah. fucking crush spirits at that guy. Mike
0: Bennett, another yeah. one I just want to wrestle. Yeah, Mike and Bennett's like I'll to- just
1: go to main event, man. I don't care 205 Live, I don't care. Just put let me, me wrestle. <laughs>
0: pre pre-COVID. He was like just put me on the road. I just I want to wrestle. You know, we've been talking about it for years. These guys just want something to do. They want to feel like they're they matter in some way. It's not that they all want to get mega pushes. And that was the exact sentiment from Eric Young. He just wanted something to do. He wanted to feel valued like any of us do at our jobs. You know, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, it was an elimination match. And, um, you know, a lot of people felt Ace Austin should have won. I disagree. I think it's too soon for Ace Austin. But I think that he's definitely a guy who, if they can keep him around, is a future world champion potential guy. I mean – He's still very new, but it's very clear he has a very high upside. He can talk. He can work. He's athletic. uh, He has a presence. But he's a guy I would continue to develop. I think Eddie Edwards was the safe play here. You know, who knows what the original plans were when Elgin was around and whoever else was supposed to be in this match, Tessa. But it's like Eddie Edwards is a safe play. He's a solid. And now he's an impact guy. Like you feel like he's an impact guy now because he's been there so long. You know, and – The one thing I'd like to see him ditch the fucking jeans. That was a story. Yeah, the look is, yeah, he's still got like the
1: hardcore legend. I'm feuding with Tommy Dreamer look like let's let's look like a wrestler again, man.
0: Go get your fucking tights back and look like a pro wrestler. And, you know, that's an old storyline that he's, you know, the, the gear is bad, but he's a good wrestler and he was the safe play. And it really feeds into the whole fresh coat of paint that the company has your Elgin's are gone, at least for now. Your Tessas are gone. You know, your, your, your fucking Jake uh was it Jake or Dave who's the bad one?
1: I don't remember. I think Dave, but I've, <laughs> dude, a gun to my head. If you told me which is this Jake or Dave Chris, I would, I'd die. Yeah. But I like, mean,
0: one's married to Nevea and, and wasn't involved in any of the speaking out stuff. So I don't want to, I unfairly... feel bad.
1: Yeah. Let's find out which one was official. I think it was Dave, <laughs> but, but let me make sure. So
0: the bad Chris is gone. I'll just leave it at that for now. Um,
1: Dave, Chris, Dave, Chris is the bad one. So,
0: yeah. So it's like, you know, Eddie Edwards solid as fuck in every way, solid professional. I think that was the right play. There's plenty of time to go to Ace Austin. If you need to, Eddie Edwards just represents stability and, you know, and, and and they're bringing in a bunch of new faces. Uh, we talked about the machine guns. We talked about Heath. He's just going by Heath. He said on the TV, they won't let me use my last name, so I'm just Heath. Um, you know, Eric Young is back. The Good Brothers made their debut at the tail end of the show. Yeah, the tail end of the Edwards.
1: show, man, was boom, 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 boom. So Eddie Edwards wins the match. The Good Brothers come out, and then they cut to black, and then you get the EC3 debut as yeah. well. So it was like, here's all these new guys coming in.
0: It's It's become a hack thing, but I'm pretty sure I said it first. But he looks like Kurgan. Doesn't he look like Kurgan? Oh, he does.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, Kurgan the Interrogator. Yeah, for sure.
0: Like, everyone's saying it now, but, like, when I said it, it, it didn't become hack yet. But he looks like fucking Kurgan now. It's crazy. Um, Apparently, Brian Myers is around.
1: I yeah, yeah. Face know the know facts, him. baby. Brian Myers debuted on Impact this week, so.
0: Oh, he did? I, I watched it. It was Impact. a quick
1: I little dude. You. It, it was, like, three seconds. You probably missed it. It's, like, him in a mask that says M. I honestly, I don't, like... I know it's Brian Myers. I don't know if on the TV they explicitly said that's Brian Myers. It was like a video and there was a man wearing an M mask and it was clear that it was Brian Myers. Okay. If that All makes right. sense. So well, you probably skipped over it. You might have hit the D V R and went right past it and not even noticed it, but yes. Done to face the facts, <laughs> baby. That's uh, hey, look, like people are gonna laugh because they're like cast offs or whatever, but those are guys the motorcycle machine guns important impact history and, and, and nobody's gonna complain about them. Heath is we'll see. It remains to be seen. I, I the story. You, know
0: you know what? People like him. He's over with fans.
1: I agree. I mean, and, and and this story is – is I like what they're doing with the story so far. Eric Young, again, jobber in WWE and nothing in WWE, but he's an important part of that universe, the Impact universe, and he's going to work his ass off. Fucking Gallows and Anderson is a huge get for Impact, no look, matter what you think no of those brain- guys. No matter
0: what I think, they're a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, if you can get those guys, you get them. I mean, it's a no-brainer.
1: And then EC3, like, again, in that universe, he's a bigger deal. And I still think there's some lost potential with him. I don't know if I love this look. I don't really know if I like this gimmick, but i remain to be seen about that. And Brian Myers is just, you know, roster fodder at that point. Like, I don't know that.
0: Yeah, he doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he's – I've never been
1: – But they're know. not going to – if if they push him – if he wins the title, then we can talk shit about that. But I think he's just, like, dude on roster, basically. so
0: Other yeah. than, ironically, into face the facts. I've yeah, right. Never <laughs>
1: <really played that.
0: laughs> right, right, right. So, but – um. But, no, it's good – look, it's good that a promotion gets a big influx of talent like this. And they delivered on the tease. That's the big thing. They teased all for months that they were going to bring all these guys in. And, Rich, then they did.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> it wasn't like they just brought – yeah, they brought one guy back and, and nothing happened. They brought, like, a whole new crop of guys in, which is is cool.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't like some bait and switch or they just brought in one guy. So, you know, I think that's important to note too. You know, that, that, that fucking – that, you know, to, to deliver on the promise like that and actually bring some new people in, but um, it's just funny how Impact, how many you know, and then you throw in Tasha Steels, Chris Bay, whoever else, Diana Peraza. Impact has hired like what a dozen people during COVID, right? But there's still people who will tell you WWE needed to they fire. They had me. to,
1: Joe. God, the yeah. COVID. They had to let guys go. They had to yeah. let those office guys go. Those assholes in the office just had to be let go. Cause,
0: yep, yeah. AEW, they hire Ricky Starks. They give a contract to some of the guys that are working dark. They're trying to work out a deal with Eddie Kingston. WWE, they had to fire. They people. had, to, fire had to. Yeah,
1: but they're gonna work on a new contract for MVP though. So don't worry. It's... Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, But I I do like this too about impact that they might be cycling some people in and out or whatever. It makes it fresh. Like that's how all wrestling should be. Is that if Willie Mac's done for now or whatever, even though I love Willie Mac, it's like, hey, cool, you know, we're gonna put Willie Mac on the shelf. We'll bring in these guys. Maybe Willie Mack comes back. You know, maybe Ken Shamrock takes, you know, two months off or whatever. Maybe Sam McCalloway is not like I love that idea that like there's now five or six new guys and, and, and some guys might go away, some guys might come back. That's how pro wrestling should be is bring new guys in. Old guys go out. Maybe you cycle them back and forth or whatever. Just having a stagnant roster that never moves is just never good for wrestling. So I'm glad. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to New Japan here for the last uh, half hour or so of the show. So we got Sengoku Lord in Nagoya. That's coming up this weekend. A uh, pretty interesting show here. Uh, We touched on it a little bit a few weeks ago, but let's get into the big matches and and talk a little bit about those. Uh, Right off the top evil defending the double titles, the heavyweight and the Intercontinental Championship, against Hiromu Takahashi. Joe, does Hiromu do it? Does he shock the world?
0: I wanted to push New Japan to the last topic because I am just all eviled out. I, I, I am so tired of evil discussion and evil conversation because it's become teams. You're either pro-evil or you're, or you're anti-evil and there's like no in-between and it's become nasty and I'm just not interested in it anymore. It's like you can't be an evil agnostic. You can't be an evil centrist, which is what I really am. I mean, you know, when we talked about it at length when we let off the show with it a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how evil is going to turn out. And I just don't have a good feel for it. I mean, I I, I, I know that I'm not a big fan of, of, of the way he's been working and the way I suspect he's going to work under Bullet Club, but um, it's like – If you're not all about this evil thing, then you're sort of casted as this anti-evil person. And... I'm just honestly Tired to talk Yeah I'm with you it. it's just, it's I've so said
1: cool. it from the beginning I want to be wrong But yeah we're getting A lot of people That are just like Oh it's you an ugly think he conversation, sucks And you're, you're You don't like You know we like Different things in wrestling And I'm like I, 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 Maybe he's good I don't know Like, I just don't love it so far I don't know like, what's gonna happen Yeah like I, I, you know, This match is gonna play A big part of it But I You know watching That New Japan Roadshow From this week I'm not super You know enthused about it And and like you said It, it feels very like Camped And and that yeah, now people are I, fighting I, I, And we're logging You know grenades Back and forth Forth at one another and it's like I just want to see how it plays out man like I don't know
0: yeah and it's like um, you know I watched the Corican show and and I mean evil just is not jumping off the page for me and I am not certain that they are that this is meant to be an elevation for him we're going to find out very quickly yeah because I think that he might be people use the term transitional champion a lot and they misuse it but if Okada beats Yujiro and then challenges Evil, he's probably going to beat him. And if he does, that's the prime definition of transitional champion. Because that, they, what they, what, what that, that'll mean what they did was they wanted to get the title from Naito to Okada without Okada beating Naito. So that makes Evil stan Stasiak. That makes the, he's probably the best historical example of a transitional champion. Um, you know that makes evil. Can you think of a more modern one, Rich? That I'm that I can off the top of my head.
1: <sighs> more modern transitional championship. New. A lot of those have okay, been gone. I, I mean, Bob Backlund was a famous one in '94. Um, Backlund's
0: a good one, and Iron Sheik from Backlund the Hogan. Oh yeah,
1: that's of course, one. yeah.
0: So there's three good examples from three different eras of transitional champions, and if Evil loses to Okada, that's exactly what he is in this scenario. And it doesn't represent an elevation into the upper tier of New Japan main eventers. Now, it will always give him that credibility of being a former IWGP champion. And that does matter because then he's a guy that you can always put in title matches with the, with the, with the thought of, oh, well, he's a former champion, so there's a chance he can win. And that's always a strength to fall back on. But he could just be a transitional champ to avoid blowing the Okada-Naito money match to get the title of Okada, or this could be a legitimate attempt at an elevation. I don't know yet. All I know is watching the New Japan Cup final, watching the title change, and watching Cork and Hall. He is not jumping off the page to me as a guy who is coming across as a, as a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's
1: those not. three matches don't don't. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm still keeping an open mind, and Romu's going to be, I think, a great opponent to find out what what we really have in this and 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 what we're you know up against with this but yeah I have not been encouraged by the three matches I've seen and that's not you know me making a grandstanding Evil's not gonna work and what a terrible champion but I'm watching these matches and I'm just I, I I don't again it's hard with the crowds but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of energy around his matches it's not like the people are are really stomping or clamping a ton for the baby faces I, I will see what the Romo I mean Romo is the best case if the crowd is just as hot as they can possibly be You know, within reason, of course, without being able to... But if they're clapping and stomping and going nuts for Hiromu Takahashi the entire time, and he's really playing up, you know, Evil's heel run, and the crowd seems like they're, you know, against Evil a little bit more when he's doing heel stuff, like, we're there. But, like, yeah, the Korkin did not give me. I mean, there was... You know, people can say, oh, they can't make noise or they can't do this, but I'm watching that Korokan show, and there's a lot of energy when Kotobushi's out there. There's a lot of energy when there's other heels out there. There's a lot of energy when, you know, Yoshinobu Kanamoro's doing bullshit stuff, and you can hear the crowd noticeably getting annoyed. And, and when Yujiro's doing stuff, the crowd noticeably getting annoyed, and Evil comes out, man, and it's just – I don't know. It just doesn't – I don't know. It's just palpable, like, lack of yes. buzz. I don't. There's I, I, I energy, can't describe the energy, it.
0: Yeah. There is a palpable energy drop. I, I mean, I know people think I'm nuts, but I i don't know. But But again, it's hard to tell – that's the other thing I hate these new Japan like I am so not looking forward to this Sengoku Lord because it's so weird that the fans aren't allowed to like do anything and uh, it's almost weird to say but I almost prefer empty arena I almost prefer it I I I, I might prefer it
1: it's yeah they don't feel like they're any asset to the 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 show whatsoever if they can't make any noise or do anything you know
0: I don't know it's it's Look, it's hard to make these judgments on the guy when we don't get real fan reactions. Sure. And that's really all I have to say. I'm so tired of talking about evil. The thing about it is I don't have high expectations for the match because I don't see why all of a sudden that, that the evil heel template is going to change in this match. He wrestled every match in New Japan Cup. The title change, the same. I'm going to be waiting 30 minutes for, for a Dick Togo spot and a Dick Stomp. And I'm sorry, I'm not looking forward to that. If they blow away my expectations, great. I want them to. I don't like to watch matches I don't like. And is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And evil can, can be a good wrestler. Just not this current incarnation of evil. I hate this match structure. So I'm, I am setting my expectations low and hoping to be blown away.
1: Uh, you think in your heart of hearts evil, evil wins this match, right?
0: No, if Hiroma wins, it's one of the biggest booking mistakes of the I, last. I, I'm with years. you. Yeah, it right. makes no
1: sense. That's I, something you build I, for crowds. That's something you have plenty of time to build for. Gato would make no sense whatsoever. I'd question if Gato's still even in charge of booking. Like, it'd be one of those weird things that I would, I would, yeah, we'd be talking about forever because it's just completely the opposite of what they booked. Like, and and, and like you said, it's just not a good idea on any level whatsoever. I mean, you have so much time to do stuff with Hiroma. Why now? Why at this moment? Why you know, with with, with so little build. Uh, with no fans with it, it's just or, or not you know really fans that can do a whole lot it's just yeah it would be to me it'd be wild absolutely wild
0: nobody is going to like what i'm about to say but how many times have i said that over the years evil should beat him clean in the middle with zero nonsense whatsoever he's a junior number 1
1: yeah oh 100% yeah
0: so you can get away with it.
1: Yeah, the Number second two, that Dick Togo bullshit's gonna happen, I'm gonna roll my eyes, because it's like, you don't need... Evil shouldn't need this. Like, in, in in actuality, if you know, given it the way they booked, he shouldn't need this. He should be able to beat Hiromu, I, which sucks. Not only like
0: should he not need it, I think it'll help him, because Hiromu is beloved. You're right. Beat him clean in the middle, with no interference, and establish evil as, okay, this is a guy who doesn't need that stuff, but he chooses to use it. And... You beat a beloved figure and it adds heat. Well and and, and that's adds-
1: that's where the heat really should come in with these interferences. And that's what what made the original Bullet Club works so well is it's like, you know, Devitt, who was good, really good, for years and years and years, it's like, why does this guy need to cheat now? Like, what the fuck? Like, he can win if he wants to, and and he knew he could. He would say that, too. I think he's in the promos. He'd say, I could win, but eh, I decided to take the cheap route, so I'd better, like, follow come in there and beat the fuck out of you. And, and you're absolutely right. Like, the idea that evil could be good, and evil could beat people, but he just chooses to use a bunch of bullshit anyway, that's where your real heat comes in, as opposed to just sitting and waiting for interference to come. I'm with you. Yeah. I know.
0: I think you should beat him clean, but it's like, that's not the way they do things. And I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but anyway, I, 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 don't know. I've let's move on. I just don't want to talk about evil anymore. I yeah, just, that's I, fine.
1: I yeah. we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I'm, I'm excited about the match itself just because there is a lot that's going into it. And, and I'm very curious, but uh, one match that I think we can all universally agree. <laughs> we're looking forward to here. Uh, Shingo Takagi, El Desperado, open weight championship match. Uh, Shingo hundred percent winning this match. Uh, but you know that they're, they're going to give Desperado a lot in this, and these guys are going to just go tear the house down. So I cannot wait.
0: It's the only match I'm looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to it a lot because I love Despy, and you know, you know, obviously I'm a huge Shingo guy. So yeah, it should be great. I mean, I just you know um, can't wait. I think it'll, I think it'll be the best match on the show because I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves in the main event. The main event should be the best match. Yeah, right, it's right, like, right, right. I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves and i'm and and you know it's just some things in wrestling you like and some things you don't like and i just don't like what evil is right now i just don't find evil interesting i just that's the other thing too like maybe it would help if i found it interesting
1: yeah if you were super invested in the lij yes. breakup or whatnot but you've always yes. been kind of agnostic to the lij things so
0: yeah so that that doesn't help either but um shingo and despie I'm, I'm yeah looking forward to that big time
1: all right then we have okada versus yujiro
0: so the interest here is in the booking. It's like
1: yeah, Ujiro is going to beat him, right? Come on.
0: Yeah, well, no, I mean,
1: no. <laughs> no, no chance in hell. So.
0: I, 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 you know, some of the videos I've been watching on World, where you know, yujiro has been screwing Okada a lot. Like you go all the way back to the AJ Styles title loss with Ujiro screwing. Okada. I remember that was one
1: of our first yeah, we're angry. angry at New Japan episodes we ever did. I remember. They're yeah, pissed. I didn't like
0: that they did that for the title match. It really bothered me. Um, but, you know, obviously Okada's going to win, but then does he challenge Evil? Now, he gave some sort of interview or something this week where he where he said that he isn't interested.
1: Yeah, it was, it was Tokyo in- Sports, for what it's worth, mm-hmm. which, of course, <laughs> they do a lot of angles through Tokyo Sports. I forget the exact context of what it was, but it was essentially that uh, I'm not interested right now and that he thought that the titles kind of lost a little bit when they became the double titles.
0: Yes, but the fact that Tokyo Sports does angles or helps with angles – Adds credence to the idea that he's not going to challenge because he's he's doing his storyline through the magazine, right? So he's saying he's not interested in the interested in the double title because his whole gimmick, even in the build up to Dome, was that he does not interested in the Intercontinental. And I hate that these guys, him, Naito, keep saying that. That is so counterproductive. You should never have a champion or a top level guy saying they don't care about any of your titles. It is so the wrong thing to do, because. Fans are going to listen to guys like Naito and Okada, and then they're not going to care about the title. I hate that they do this. It really bothers me, and I think it's counterproductive. I mean, guys like Okada and Naito should be saying that the Never title is something that they would love to have. You should be putting these titles over, not doing the opposite. It drives me nuts when these guys do this, but maybe that's a tip-off that Okada is not going to be involved in this sort of LIJ war, and we are going to go right back to evil because – you. if you don't go to Okada, then I guess you got to go right back to Evil Naito, right?
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: Where else do you go? Um, well, he, maybe he faces Sonata, Doesn't make sense. Kind of, j- he just beat him. Um, is he going to go through all of them or just go right back to Naito? Point is, I think they're going to keep it with, you know, the Lij within Lij for now. If but then what what does that mean for Okada?
1: Right, does I guess he can up? go through the G one and he does that sort of run again. It's whatever happens at the end of Evil and Hiromo. I'm so excited to see how that match ends and then who comes out and what comes out after that. If it's Okada comes out, it's like okay, now we kind of know where this is going and now we know that ah, geez, <laughs> this was only to do. But if he doesn't come out, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for for everybody. I mean, I would prefer he just comes out and beats the fucking Evil and like you know what I mean. Like I'm fine with that. But like it does, it, I am very interested to see what the next step is. Then if Okada doesn't come out. And it's evil versus, like you said, whoever. Or they go back to evil versus Naito, or it's evil versus Snot, or or whatever. Uh, I'm fascinated. Yeah, I guess Okada goes to the G1 or something like that. Is he staying away from the double titles? I don't know. But what
0: about about immediately? Because the G1 isn't for a while. Right, right. it's like, does it open up the possibility that Yujiro could win?
1: Yeah, do we get to pants Okada as he's kind of trying to find himself again? I don't...
0: Nah, I just mean... I mean, Yujiro's so... He's so below him. That I can't... <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? Like, he's so now, below him. Here's the thing.
0: What about the Jay White tees?
1: That, okay, yeah, yeah. that for me is definitely, if you, if, if you tell me that Jay White's going to come through the crowd, fucking give this kid the switchblade, leave him out laying in the middle of the ring, and Yudro's going to go and cover him. him, you can do that. Perfectly yeah. fine with that, because it builds I, then I know that it's Okada versus Jay White. That's a fine feud. It's a good way to keep Okada away from that title for a bit. He gets revenge over Jay White losing to this slumlord, Yudro <laughs> or whatever. Yudro could brag about the win for a while. Like, There's a lot you can do with that. So I would be totally fine with that if that's the scenario it goes in.
0: And there's people who think you can't get into Japan, but there is a small list of countries where you can travel from those countries to Japan. And then you have to quarantine. I don't know, know all the ins and outs, but it's there. there is scenarios where you can get into Japan. And he did tease it. Now, it could have just been Jay White fucking with people, and I think that's the more likely scenario. But you could have Okada even beat Yujiro and then have Jay White attack, and then you have Okada and Jay White occupied While L.I.J. occupies the top of the card with the title stuff. So keep an open mind on that. It's not impossible that Jay White pops up, but I think that it was more than likely just a tease because if you want to do that as a big surprise, you don't tip people off. So I kind of think he's just fucking with people, but we'll see.
1: All right, some other matches on the show as well. Let's get uh, to the next one here. This is a multi-man tag. We talked about this one. It's uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Yuji Nagata, Tenzan, and Master Watto uh, versus Suzuki Gun Team, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenamoro, and Duki. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what do you want yeah. me to say? I mean,
0: like, yeah, what do you want? I mean, you know, there's nothing else interesting on the rest of the card, honestly. Um, I don't know. People are really into Master Watto, I think somewhat ironically. Um, you know, the, the the Tanahashi Ibushi stuff with, I don't know, what do you want me to say? I'm trying, I, I have
1: no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you.
0: I, you know, the, the only thing is what singles matches and what tag matches come out of this. Like, I think they're building towards Nagata and Suzuki.
1: Oh, for sure, that slap battle at, at, at Korokin, yeah, that's for sure happening.
0: And then maybe I want to get a Master Watts over's kind of Moru match. I, I don't, you know, that would be a fun singles match. But um, they typically, I, I know his debut, he faced Tokai, but that's a debut. Otherwise, they typically don't like to do singles matches on undercards unless they're for titles. So, but under these circumstances with the limited roster, maybe you do. I would love to see Mr. Watto versus Kenamoro.
1: Yeah, I think he needs a good but, good singles performance as well too to kind of establish him as as a new guy too. So I think if you are going to break from that tradition a little bit, especially in these times, like I think Watto versus Kanemura is a great way to do it.
0: And you know, you also have to do something with the junior tag belts. I know Show is still walking around with it, but you're going to have to vacate them because he's going to be Yo's going to be out a year or nine months or you know around.
1: A it's going to be long enough where yeah, don't don't just make those titles because then nobody's going to give a shit about those titles ever again if they just. Float around on guys I mean, that aren't defending them So,
0: so you're going to have to break off Some of these juniors and, and 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 right now these cards can use a little juice I mean they could use those junior tag titles So maybe something That Sengoku Lord leads into whatever They're going to do with those titles Which I guess leads us into our next match
1: Absolutely our next match here is Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, and Sho Versus LIJ team of Naito, Sanada, and Bushi
0: Yeah I don't know This is just a six man tag But I guess Um, You know, you try to look inside and see if they're going to come up with something out of this. I don't know. I feel like Naito isn't going to end up in a singles feud with someone like Goto or anything like that. The other guys, The other guys are beneath him. So it's like
1: this just feels feels like a holding pattern. Yeah, it feels like a holding pattern match. And then once once the night's over, it's going to make all the sense in the world what the next step is for Naito. Correct. And yeah, yeah, this is just kind of. This is just getting guys on the card. Exactly. Right, right.
0: I, I really don't see a match forming out of this.
1: Uh, then we have another uh, multi-man match here. We got Makabe, Hanma, Kojima, and Taguchi uh, versus Ishii Toriano, Yotosuji, and Gabriel Kidd. So uh, one thing I really was caught surprised here, no Tenzan uh, on this match. It is Kojima on his own uh, with, of course, Great Bash Shield and Rusuke Taguchi. Uh, versus uh, as i said ishii toriano yutsuji and uh, gabriel kidd so
0: well tenzan has kind of befriended master wato yes so that's why he's in the other match right exactly that that's kind of a little which that's fucking fine
1: dude you guys go have fun man i I want kojima by himself man please
0: yeah i know from that perspective and also i just think it's kind of funny that tenzan and wato are like these fast friends that's like a uh Oh, it's like a cute little side story. Yeah, like yeah, why would these guys be pals? But but Tenzan has taken him under his wing. Uh, but yeah, Kojima on his own. If that's the plan, the only thing that gives me pause is Tenkoji just had a couple tag matches. Right. I mean, they they just won two tag matches. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just feels like another one of these situations where it's uh getting guys. You know, work. It's an eight. Man, it's a New Japan undercard eight man tag. Man, what am I supposed to say?
1: Yeah, for sure. And then the uh, the opener, which I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully, hopefully Ishimori brings it here. Uh, Taiji Ishimori versus Yua Uamura, who I yeah, fucking we, love. We so, to,
0: yeah, you love that guy, and we talked about it a little last week. Ishimori dogs it sometimes in these spots. He's not a guy who always goes all out in these kind of matches, so we'll see. Hopefully, he does. I mean, honestly, it could be like the second or third best match on the show. Absolutely. Times. Yeah, for sure. But uh um, see how that goes yeah, that, that's, what, What's the date on that? That's
1: um, uh, So that is uh, July 25th July 25th is, is the day of that show So, And then uh, we want to talk about this real quick uh, Before we get out of here The uh, Lions Break Collision Episode 4 is a big one for the Lions Break Collision So uh, the last few episodes have been kind of 30 minutes You know, one match, two matches Very condensed uh, type shows This one coming up this week Which is going to be on Friday, correct? That's, they release them on Friday I forget if it's afternoon or morning Uh, They release them, but a really, I mean, by the way, if you have not been watching these, we talked about them last week. Great one hour, or a great half hour of television. This one I think might be stretched to at least an hour or whatever. Really good, solid television. A lot of hard work going on in those shows. Like, really good stuff. So, if you're skipping over them, like, I would really, really recommend checking them out. And if you're going to jump into anyone, I mean, episode four is a great way to start because it is a really good-looking card on paper. You got Rocky Romero and Russ Taylor uh, versus TJP and Clark Connors. Uh, Mysterioso versus Danny Limelight. Tom Lawler uh, versus Alex Coughlin or Coughlin. And then the main event, which I am really looking forward to, a nice little story that they built over the first three episodes of Lions Break, Carl Fredericks, the lone wolf, versus Jeff Cobb. And these dudes are just throwing suplexes at each other. Carl Fredericks is, is, is calling his shot. Jeff Cobb is ready for him to prove it. Uh, just a solid, no bullshit, one guy wants to prove he's better than the other guy type of story, and that's the stuff that we absolutely love, man.
0: Did they combine two of these into one big show? Cause it's normally been two matches.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, I have no idea. There's no way this is a half hour show though. Right. It's gotta be an hour or 90 minutes. No, or This one like will be that.
0: closer. This one will be closer to an hour, maybe a little over. Cause some of them are usually like 35, 40 minutes with the two matches. But, um, and I wonder if there's anything taped after this. Cause I've been very careful with spoilers. Cause I genuinely enjoy watching it. It's it's a lot of fun and they've been very good. And the Frederick's Cobb match has been very well built. Um, but I'm wondering, I hope it keeps going. I hope they did tape more and we and we keep moving forward with it. But I feel like they combined two episodes into one, which is fine. Um yeah, Fredericks Cobb. I'm curious how they booked that. I mean I, I you know, it, 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 it's it would seem Do you feel like Fredericks can beat Cobb? I mean, this, on one hand, That's I, exactly
1: what I was gonna ask, is like, do you get the balls to say, you know what? Fuck it. Carl Fredericks beat him. I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility. I would still no, assume no. that Cobb does it, but if I'm them, I wonder if I have the balls to say, you know what, let's go with this guy. Let's have him do it. Let's have him shock, you know, the world and shock Jeff Cobb or whatever. I, I think – I don't think there's a ton to lose if you do that. I really don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me, but neither result would surprise me, which is why I'm so into the match. You know, and I know the results are out there, but um, I'm, I'm not – I've, I've stayed it away it, as well,
1: which is cool. I yeah. <laughs> enjoy that, so –
0: yeah, and, and Lawler looked good in his debut against Rocky. Rocky is just—he's such a company guy. Like we all know, he's office, and but he's been doing jobs on this show and putting people over. Yeah, he and, doesn't and,
1: care. He loves it, man. Yeah, he understands it,
0: and he can work with anyone. You know, he's another one very similar to TJP in that he can really work with anyone, and and he's just such a good wrestler. Um. But I hope this keeps going. It's kind of like you have New Japan on both shores at the same time. And it and these aren't throwaway shows. They're telling little stories and everything. So, and Mysterioso, I mean, he's another one. And it's like, you know, he, I think he's a heavyweight. Like, I don't even think that guy is a – like, he's thick. Do you, have you noticed how big that guy yeah, is? Yeah, I was wondering like, that
1: too because they have him in the mask and they're kind of like a lucha guy. But he's, he's, a, he's a big fella, so.
0: Yeah, and he's looked good. in the, in the indie guys that they've used, I I, I was concerned – that they'd be kind of beneath the new japan standard but they haven't been i mean some of the names are a little cringy um but all of them can work and they've all looked good especially that rust taylor who people say has been kicking around for years i wasn't super familiar with him though i'm told he's an old school pwg guy which i don't remember him yeah i don't remember
1: him ever but
0: um but you know he's looked really good and and the, the one guy i haven't liked that much is the uh the guy who uses the initials in his name, who does the karate gimmick, I haven't liked him all that much, but um, Limelight has looked okay in, in the you know, I think he wrestled TJP last week. Um, yeah, these shows are a blast. I really hope this isn't it. So I hope they announce something tomorrow too. Even the format's a lot of fun. Kevin Kelly from his den, setting us up. And they usually give you a little promo. You know, it it was Jeff Cobb last week or the week before, you know, saying how he can't wait to get his hands on Fredericks. But, um, you know, Fredericks doing this lone wolf gimmick, says he's not going to join any units, which is interesting. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. That's become a Friday staple for me, and I really hope this isn't it.
1: For sure, yeah, really, really good stuff uh, from those guys. So yeah, enjoy the Lionsburg collision, and yeah, plenty of New Japan back up. So it's you got a
0: good setup for Sengoku Lord. You know, it's it's you know, it's you got New Japan all weekend long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. On a,
0: on a weekend where there's really not a lot of other shows going on. I mean, what's happening this weekend? You know, WWE and Impact just did their shit, and uh, AEW has nothing. This is a New Japan weekend. You know, we're we're probably going to lead off with New Japan next week.
1: Sure, you know, oh for Sengoku
0: sure, Lord. You know, so this is where you really. You know you sit down on the couch and, and and you really dig into New Japan this weekend
1: Absolutely so really really good stuff there With both of those guys uh, Or both of those shows I should say uh, yeah, so that's it. We're, uh, we're just about out of time here on the flagship. Again, I do want to let you know, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, the people listening live, you guys know about that. You're $10 subscribers. So we thank you very much. But if you'd like to listen to the flagship live, uh $10 tier does that for you. I'm also going to do a Q and a, a uh, calling Q and a this weekend as well, probably Saturday, probably in the morning. So, uh, be on the lookout for an official announcement about that when I can f- kind of figure out what we're going to do. But, uh, I haven't done a call in, in a while due to some, some other circumstances and I was kind of worried about the stream the last few weeks, but it seems like things are good. So uh, we are going to do a call-in again. Uh, $5 tier unlocks the TV reviews, which, again, you just did one right before we got on the air here talking about uh, AEW and NXT ratings breakdowns. And again, another very interesting week uh, of ratings breakdowns. So you definitely want to check that out. Also get to all of our retro content, November to Remember. Uh, I just recently finished the In Your House, In Your House series, looking at the first 19 uh, In Your House main events. I'm going back and I asked the, the folks on Patreon what they wanted, and we're going to finish up the Boys of Summer series where I go through the, uh, the remaining SummerSlam main events starting with, I believe, 2007 or 2008. I forget which one uh, is where I left off. So we're going to jump onto those uh, as well, and kind of work our way through uh, SummerSlam main events, but plenty of other stuff on there, you get our archives as well, debt Store. Jo- you know, as I said, November to Remember, uh, the Fall Brawl Recall, all this sort of stuff that we've been doing, the Kings of the Tokyo Dome Series, all those many times, also the Deep Dive, we have a really cool Deep Dive planned uh, to come in the next few days here, or the next uh, week, I should say, uh, hopefully, looking at the J-Crown Championship, a uh, pretty famous tournament and famous championship, uh, in Japanese wrestling history, so we'll talk about some matches, we'll talk about the titles, a lot of other stuff, and the Deep Dives have gotten like tremendous, tremendous reviews uh, as well. For those who have not seen the Deep Dive or not listened to the Deep Dive, we did two of them already. Uh, we did the UWF Tag Team Titles, uh, and the I Like to Talk to Tom uh, Deep Dives, which got, like, like I said, rave reviews. They're both available on the $5 tier as well, so patreon.com slash Wrestling for those, and uh, com for all the previews and reviews and all the other stuff we got previews of, as we said, Nagoya. Or the, uh, the Singoku Lord and Nagoya show uh, We'll have a review as well We have reviews of all the lines Break shows Review of uh, a Review of the horse show at WWE Extreme Rules If you really want to torture yourself So we're covering it all Doing everything we can here at Voice of Wrestling To get us all the coverage of all the pro wrestling So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grage We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice of Wrestling a Podcast Take care